Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. And our lines are open at one 104 106 So Michal's heading into Cabinet this morning to discuss what Neff had talked about last night. Uh, and we'll just have to wait to see what they say. I mean, it's very unfortunate for anybody that owns a nightclub or a late facility. Because, I mean, how much time? Let's say, for instance, they are allowed to open on Friday. Wouldn't it be good to tell them ASAP? Because they've got to hire staff. I'm sure they've got to get stock in. I think they might probably do deep cleans. You wouldn't be bothered doing that until you get the nod. But the papers this morning, and this is an ever Changing story, obviously, and they can only do the best they can. But they both, by and large, are saying uh, murder off the dance floor, uh, masking for more patients, antigen and decks. The decks refer to nightclubs. They're saying that nightclubs reopening will be put on hold again. Uh, nightclub goers and sports fans' hopes dashed to so- social distancing s- uh, set to stay. In fact, the Mirror this morning is also saying that larger crowds at weddings and sports events could also be out. Masks will remain certificates will remain, social distancing will remain, those that aren't vaccinated will remain outdoors, I suppose, if you like. This morning, the uh, Red Tops talk of antigen testing. I just don't know. I'd love to know how. I mean, antigen testing is fine, brilliant, bring it on. But how will it work, though? You know, is it at home? Will it be in the workplace? I mean, would you do it to go into a venue at the door? I mean, how will it actually work? So Freedom Friday was dubbed October 22nd. We'll have to wait and see what happens this morning because the rise in cases and hospitalisation has cast a, a lot of doubt over those plans. And that's in this morning's mirror. Like the star today talks it ground, calls it Groundhog Day again. No lifting of restrictions, no return of nightclubs. So in fact, yes, Taoiseach, it is Groundhog Day again. In the UK this morning, they've been even talking about uh, because their numbers continue to rise, rise. I mean, pretty much all restrictions gone there, but numbers keep going up. And they're even mentioned on the BBC this morning. Could they at some stage be like 50,000 positives a day? Could they be looking at um, uh, a reimposition of some form of lockdown? Don't mention that L word, whatever you do. Um, papers also talk about reopening on a knife edge. The Mail says after the late night Neffet meeting, uh, I think Neffet actually want to turn the screws up actually until April of next year and to batten down the hatches as they are and even maybe one or two more in positions of one or two more regulations but certainly to change nothing until April. So the country's back on knife edge. So what happened this morning? Well, you heard there in the nine o'clock news with Lana O'Connor that the government has confirmed that Neffet has recommended nightclubs can reopen but with restrictions in place. So makes met much of the newspapers front pages this morning. A bit of a moot point. So ministers are meeting now to decide whether to delay some of the reopening of society that's planned on Friday. Uh, You will have digital COVID certs likely to be extended across the winter and into the new year, I suppose. Mask wearing and social distancing will continue in some indoor settings. And the Taoiseach said that they have to be careful, but confirmed that Neffet has recommended nightclubs can reopen, but with restrictions in place. And those restrictions would be, of course, um, uh, COVID cert and QR codes. Antigen test? Kind of up in the air at the moment, uh, but for doubly vaccinated people uh, to go indoors. So that's where we're at. So much of the papers this morning um, seems, from what I'm hearing, have, have got it wrong. Uh, but within primary school settings, of course, it's a different ballgame entirely because you heard the story over in, uh, in Wexford where a primary school uh, sent all children home until after the midterm break because 34 students tested positive for, for COVID. And the front of the echo has a teacher, actually the North Monastery primary school principal, Carl O'Brien, um, saying that uh, teachers are anxious and they want to feel safe at work. Um, and uh, is calling for COVID-19 support in primary schools to be increased. What that support is, 
I'm not totally sure. But, of course, then you have the ICU numbers. And this is the one that gets everybody angry, those that are vaccinated and those that are unvaccinated, whenever I mention what's going on in ICU. And when you do, when you add up all of the numbers of people who've been doubly dosed with a double dose of a double dose vaccine and those who've been single dosed with a do- one dose vaccine, it comes in at 33% in ICU are vaccinated uh, and unvaccinated in ICU is uh, just over uh, 57%. So it's 57 unvaccinated in ICU, 33% fully vaccinated in, in ICU. Um, they talk about uh, a rise also with regards to uh, domestic abuse in this country. And they're saying that there's been a 17% rise in domestic abuse. And they're saying that Gardaí believe that an awful lot of it has to do with uh, COVID restrictions and living with COVID. Another problem that we've had, of course, is litter. And we discussed this yesterday. But one of the things you're noticing an awful lot more on our streets and roads and parks and cities is masks, face masks. I mean, I accept because I've done it myself once or twice. They've fallen out of the pocket and that can happen uh, So how much of it is intentional and unintentional, I don't know. But the number of face masks dumped on the street has jumped by 30% in the last year. And that's one of the reasons why we have a bigger litter problem in in, in municipal areas like like Cork City. We've got problems in areas of the north side with litter and a bad problem down in Mahan by all accounts. Um, And there's a story in the mirror this morning that says families are so strapped for cash that they can't afford to pay for school lunches. So they're keeping their children at home. That's the one from the mirror today. They also talk and uh, you might want to know there's a big guard at Clampdown now on motorists and it will run for the rest of the year. It's called Operation Choran. Um, and it would be nationwide. You're going to see loads and loads of checkpoints, lads, for drink driving. Uh, motorists who flout mobile phones and using them and texting and taking calls um, up to their ear, not wearing seat belts and speeding. So the copperoonies are digging in on that one. And it'll be for the rest of the year. It's a story in the Echo today. You know, I was dealing with a story recently on air. People who are, have uh, gambling addictions and are fighting it and are staying away from gambling. Uh, but they keep getting text messages or they keep getting emails, which you need to unsubscribe from and block uh, if you're trying to stay clean. Because um, a lot of the time you find the gambling uh, sites or companies that they gambled with keep on sending them messages offering them free bets. Well, the Times this morning says that landmark new gambling laws due to come before Cabinet today will uh, see free bets banned and the regulator for gambling will be in place by early next year. Now, we really need that, but certainly the free bets uh, for those who are struggling um, needs to be banned. And the only way to do that is by banning it for everybody. In spite of what they tell you about insurance payouts dropping, insurance costs and premiums are not. Uh, and there's been a 15% soar in insurance costs despite the drops. I mentioned this on the air, uh, the back end of last week, and I will come back to it. There was a teenager who got 50,000 euro as a settlement <clears throat> because a waiter carrying a tray of hot coffee collided with him. He settled the action in the High Court for 50,000. So there's an example of, I don't know what that might have been before costs were reduced. Would it have been 80,000 or 100,000? Who knows? And one or two other interesting ones because uh, of the increasing price of oats. Are you getting your oats, lads? Because of the increasing cost of oats. The price of beer in the UK has gone up by 30 pence a pint. Would that happen here? Oh, my God. Have we got enough oats to go around? And apparently the latest thing to add to uh, the uh, worries at Christmas. I was telling you about Makia Christmas trees coming in from China. there would be a shortage of them, fellas. Apparently as well, there now will be a shortage of Christmas crackers. But only in the UK. Because of Brexit, you see. It's harder to get the crackers into an on-EU country. Aren't we delighted to be in the EU? The only thing we need to tackle now is the actual contents of Christmas crackers. Because by and large, they're absolutely appalling.
The Neil Prenderville Show. We've been following and spoken in the past to Lisa O'Halloran. She's a wonderful, wonderful woman. And her journey since last year when she eventually, all on her lonesome, decided to take the decision to try and get pregnant via sperm donor. And of course, that costs. And she'd been through all sorts of other treatments uh, to try and get pregnant. And, if, and then you sign up with the clinic and you go through all the different protocols and you, you spend a fair amount of money doing it. Um, and we have an update for you. A great update, an exciting update. But first up, just to look back at our last chat when we chatted together, uh, it was January of this year. Have an aged. When do you hope then that the IVF itself will actually happen? So I should have egg retrieval um the start of February. If my body is okay after all the meds and stuff, I could go ahead with a fresh transfer. So five days later, five days after the egg retrieval, they can put back in an embryo. Then it's fingers crossed and you'll wait for two weeks and hope for the best. So you're hoping that the spring of 2021 will be a fantastic, fantastic one in the sense that you'll get yeah. pregnant. Yeah, that is. Love to talk to you again on your journey in the next, uh, you know, I don't know, a couple of months. See how things go for you. That would be great, Neil. Won't it be I fantastic if we have a conversation sometime this year and you're pregnant? Yeah, amazing. Amazing is right. She joins me by phone. Lisa, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? I'm good. Now, you said just there in that little clip, clip uh, fingers crossed and hope for the best. So what happened? Yeah. <laughs> so um, I had my transfer. And I waited the length of time. You did what, girl? That's not a great line. You did what? I waited the length of time. No, it ain't happening for me. And I really want to chat with you. Just try and move around a little bit, Lisa. See if it improves, will you? Oh, sorry, one second. All right. Um, can you help me with this? Uh, I'll try and let's see what happens. You waited. Um, how long is the? How long do you wait? Is that for the plus or the minus? Yeah, so they tell you in the clinic, they tell you after an embryo transfer about 12 days. Yeah. Um, but at home, I tested after seven. Oh, seven days. I thought it was, I thought it was seven minutes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I tested after seven days and um, I got my positive, got my first positive after seven days. And when did you find out that you had twins? <laughs> um, so I spoke with the doctor about transferring two embryos because I had so many fails and um, I had been trying for quite a bit of time and the the hope was that to increase my chances of one taking <laughs> so I actually transferred two embryos <laughs> and both and of them took both of them took right, <laughs> yeah. okay. and when did identical twins Ada pronouncing that right I hope am I they're non-identical, actually. Non-identical? No, okay, no, it's said here identical yeah. by Polly. But, but equally beautiful. So, Ada and yeah. Hazel, am I right? Yeah. Ada when did they Hazel. arrive? So they arrived the 15th of September. Very, very rushed job. <laughs> they weren't due till the 28th of October. They're still not supposed to be around. <laughs> <laughs> but the 33 weeks, is it by C-section? 33 weeks by emergency C-section, yeah. Oh, my God. They, they had their own ideas. <laughs> yeah, and how are you both, how are you all doing, both babies and yourself? We're flying it. They spent two weeks in the NICU in Cork and COMH. And um, Hazel came home after 14 days and Ada came home the following day after 15 days in the NICU. So they did really, really well. For so did you have through. to leg it to the COMH pretty sharply or what? No, I was actually as an inpatient in there, so... They were born on the Wednesday. I was in an inpatient since the Friday. 
but I was in with blood pressure issues and they were kind of watching my blood were kind of all over the place. But it was actually completely unrelated to that as to why the twins were born. Right, so right. I think someone was looking out for us and we were in the right place at the right time. But place. I believe that your sister got a call, get in here fast if you want to be here for the births, is it? She did. Sharon. She didn't make it on time did. though, did she? <laughs> she didn't, no. She was actually, she was on the ground of the hospital, like she was in the car park and still born. And <laughs> time. But anyway, it didn't matter as long as they were all right. That was, was fast. It was so fast. Like, I was sitting out, Neil, to have my breakfast at half past eight in the morning and <laughs> oblivious to what was going to go on in the next two hours. But, I know. Um, yeah. So, having my breakfast at half past eight, the doctor came in and she was hungry. No, I'm losing you again, Lisa, losing you again. Keep on moving. Walk around there, get a bit of exercise. Hazel came in at four pounds, 13 ounces, and, I, and Ada. The troublemaker, you call her, at five pounds yes. nine ounces. Why is poor old Ada the troublemaker? Because she was the one that was um, when they put me on the trace machine. She was the one that was dipping, so her heart rate kept dipping. She's the one that gave mammy frights. <laughs> she did. So they, they just put you on a regular trace every day when you're as an inpatient, and um, when she was put on it, when I was put on it, she was dipping. So within a couple of minutes, we were going to theatre. Now, I don't know whether or not they're actually home with you or not, are they? They are. They are. They are. They've been two weeks in the NICU. And what's it like having them home? Who's in the home? It must be a wonderful, happy, lovely place. Oh, it's it's lovely. It's lovely to have them in your own environment because it's hard in the NICU and it's hard going up and down the road and in and out. um, I'm here with my parents. I'm at home with my parents, so it's it's lovely. They're smitten. Absolutely. Are they over the moon? They are, they're obsessive. <laughs> they are, they're delighted. Oh my God, all of that effort and all of that thought and all of that will I or won't I and all of the IVF and everything like that. Um, yeah. And, all, and you can't put a price on love, obviously, but, you know, 12 grand later, here you are, done. Yeah, worth every penny. They're both in the kitchen over granddad. <laughs> Would you be saying that when they're three or four years old, tearing the place apart? Worth every- I spend so much time, effort and money on the two of you, you'll never know. Yeah. <laughs> oh my yeah, God, it's yeah. incredible. So what was it? Three IUIs, one IVF, all a complete, as you called it at the time, flop. Everything went wrong yeah. and it's all come right. Very exciting times ahead for you. Yeah. Have they different personalities? There's too young to tell. They're completely different, completely different. Hazel is our little firecracker. She'll let you know what she likes and what she doesn't like, and you'll hear her. (laughs) And Ada's very, very quiet. She doesn't open her mouth. Not a peep over. Not a peep. Well, who knows? Maybe maybe they might have a reversal of fortune. Who knows what the the future will bring. But certainly a lot of happiness and a lot of help as well, yeah? Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. They're very good, sure. They're they're stone made about them, so. So like an early Christmas present for you all, if you like. Oh, definitely, definitely. And um, over six weeks early, so. (laughs) They're not even supposed to be here yet. And have you been out with buggies, meeting friends and colleagues? Where have I gone? I've gone as far as a mile down the road to my aunt's house. That's as far as I've gone now, or into the GP with them. Um, We haven't ventured too far now yet, but... It's, it's hard getting them into the car and out the door. <laughs> I know, but you must be pinching yourself with happiness. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. And obviously you have to be, you have to be a bit more careful to know this time of year and, and COVID as well. Oh, absolutely. So we absolutely. shouldn't be nearly. So but the experience in the CUMH back. sounds to me as if it was a very positive one. Oh, they were amazing. Absolutely amazing. Only for me. I was in the right place at the right time. Um, 
when when things went wrong. Like so, they they had me in theatre within. For example, I looked back at the phone calls to see what time my sister was rang. My sister was rang at ten sixteen to tell her to run, and Hazel was born at ten fifty one. <laughs> Your sister isn't a fast <laughs> runner, is she? No. <laughs> she was coming from Kenturk. So oh, I thought she was off. coming from the car park. <laughs> Not at all, Jesus. My no, apologies. I thought she was sitting in the car park. Was it? She must have been <laughs> way, way out at the back of the car park. But it was Kenturk. I get it. I understand. Yeah, she was coming from Kenturk, so she didn't make it on time. But as long as they were all right. All right. Well, it's, listen. You know something? It's always great to get updates to stories that we've been following because people are always keen, you know, to hear what happened next. So here's what happened next. Two beautiful yeah. twins. All right. Well, listen, um, let, let's chat again if there are any more great stories regarding your life and life with the twins, because it's a beautiful story. There'll be huge interest in it, I'm sure. Um, so do feel free to stay in touch and definitely come back for first birthday, yeah? I will do. Thanks, Neil. All right. Take care of yourself, Lisa, and thank you so Thanks. much. Bye-bye. Congratulations. Bye-bye. Cheers. Back after the break. Text 0868-104-106. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter. At Neil Red FM. Just with regards to the COMH, with effect from today, the 19th of October, the COMH have announced that partners are welcome to attend early pregnancy scans, the 12-week scan, the booking scan, the anatomy scan, which is between 21 and 26 weeks, and when the patient is in established labour. And partners can remain on the ward with mother post-delivery for one hour, and inpatient visiting hours are now unrestricted That's really important. Unrestricted inpatient visiting hours are now unrestricted from 7 in the morning to 11 p.m. every day. Now, there are substantial changes, I have to say. Uh, Partners are also welcome uh, welcome to attend in any other situation where there is a reason to anticipate that the visit is likely to be associated with particular stress or to the involvement of communication of emotional significance. You know what I mean? I, I need to see my partner. I need to talk to him. I have something I need to say or something I need, you know, anything like that would be regarded as emotional uh, significance. But I think that's, that's amazing. And, you know, you have to say it was a, a long time coming, uh, but they're moving in the right direction with that. Now I can recap on that again later if perhaps you're not clear, but that's just my understanding of it and that comes into effect from today. Um, here's a worry uh, for a parent. Uh, I'm sure you're keeping well. Thank you, Am. I really don't know uh, where to start, but something upset me very much today and sorry, my apologies. I got this on Friday. It's a story of uh, a, 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 an email from a mother on behalf of her daughter. She says, my 11-year-old daughter came home from school crying as her teacher called her evil and useless because she didn't do any work on the geography sheet in class. Uh, My daughter didn't hurt or say anything bad to anyone. Why would she be called evil? I messaged the teacher earlier and her reply was, I did have a talk with her. This is obviously the text back. I did have a talk with her uh, as she did very little on every subject today. I was worried about her. End of text. Soon after, the teacher phoned me not long after, trying to be all nice and concerned. Is not good enough, however. Um, I cannot take this matter any further, as going against the teacher will only make my child's life harder in school. I'm deeply sad, and I feel useless, and I feel helpless. Uh, I'm wondering, have any other parents any advice on this? Any been through? Anybody been through anything similar to me? Um, you can text 0868104106 if you have, or if you have a story to share. Uh, they could help this mother email neil at uh, redfm.ie. Evil and useless are the wrong words to use. Um, I think that teachers have to be allowed uh, some leeway when dealing with students in a 
classroom setting. It's a different setting to the home. Teachers are in control. They're in charge. They have a job to do. They have the responsibility. They're there to teach. So they really sometimes should be able to turn up the heat in the nicest possible way to a child. But using words like evil and useless, not on. Particularly uh, if it was said to her in the class setting where everybody else heard it, don't you think? Um, I, I also think you probably have done enough at this stage, I think. Um, you know, you got in touch with the teacher. You expressed your uh, hurt and worry and surprise. The teacher came back to you twice and you're saying now she's trying to be all nice and concerned. I think that, for want of a better term, that's possibly the teacher's card marked with regards to using terms like evil and useless in the future. So I think you've done quite a lot there as a mother. I can't see that happening again. However, if your daughter isn't working hard enough, that's a conversation you possibly want to have um, because the teacher obviously has worries that she could well fall behind. And 11 years old is a critical age. So you need to have that conversation with her as well. But anyway, what do I know? Uh, but they're just my own thoughts. I'm sure others have other ones. I, I mean, I recall years and years ago when, when I was in, in school, in secondary school, it actually it was while we were in the Mon, there was one particular teacher who loved to single out um, lads in the class. And, and all of us got a fair share of the verbals from him, uh, me included. But I often wonder how many people in, in way back then in a primary or a secondary school setting or indeed in my own class in secondary school actually had, you know, learning difficulties, which would not have been diagnosed. There was no such thing as that then. You were just called slow. You were called slow. Um, and we'd be called slow. But he used to say things like, does your mother know you're slow? Does your mother know you're weak, lad? Um, and this is in front of the whole class. And he say, Will we call her on the phone, lad, and tell your mother that you're weak? And it would be mortifying and very embarrassing for a teenager to be hearing these kind of things. Because what's going on around the classroom then? You have all the other lads looking or, you know, mocking or sniggering. And, um, and then he would, he would ask the class to join in to talk about a particular student's slowness or weakness. It was absolutely horrible. I hope those days are well and truly gone and untolerated now. But back then... Uh, you also had leathers and you had sticks and you had straps and, um, you know, many classes would actually start because the exercise might have been done or might be right or never really anything to do with misbehaving a lot of the time. It was just, you know, for you know, getting things wrong. Um, and there would be a line of lads up at the front of the class. Uh, you know, you might have four or six of them waiting, you know, have it dished out, whether it was uh, the leather uh, or indeed uh, the butter. Those would come the butter. Anyway, lines open 1850-104-106. Pick up on that text 0868-104-106 and we'll come back to it. Tom, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Um, it's all up in the air now at the moment as to what Cabinet are talking about, how much of the NEFID recommendations they'll take. So hope to get an update on that uh, as ASAP. But you were listening to Michael O'Donovan on behalf of the Vintners yesterday yeah. and, and you know what they've gone through and uh, waiting to see what will happen on Friday. You have some thoughts on that? Well, I have, like, look, I must put it straight to you first. I'm not a member of the Fitness Federation. Okay. Um, so, like, what Michael is doing is told you more. But, like, there's vested interest because we, when they started the pandemic, when, when the, 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 the big restaurant bars started to open, they were left open by the government, we were closed, Right. And I, I, thought, I felt that I felt that with the Fitness Federation of Ireland, no, they weren't representing me, but they were representing the majority of the publicans in Ireland. I thought that was very unfair. But you're not a, you're not in the Vintners, or you're not a publican. Which? No, I, I I was a publican, but I handed over the business to my son 
couple of months back. Okay, can I ask you what the pub is and where is it? Yeah, it's Mox Bar on Bandon Road. Oh, Mox Bar. Oh, I loved Mox Bar. Myself and Sean Beecher <laughs> used to have pints of stout in there. Sean Beecher was a great old friend of mine. Oh, world. for God's sake, a super pub, Mox Pub. Yeah. Poor old but Sean, anyway, God rest his soul. Go ahead. Yes, but, like, it should have been one closed, one closed, all closed, or one open, all open. Now, I'll put it to you this way. We were closed for 20 months, right? Now, if you were going into a coffee shop, we say in Douglas or wherever you are, and you were going in there for for years, and you were going in for your coffee, so it closed, so the, the coffee shop down the road was open, so you started going there, so you weren't actually going to go back to the, the original one. Possibly not, yeah, possibly not. Yeah, so like my, what Michael is saying, that like there's 37 pubs closed, the reason they're closed is that what what the Business Federation should have done was they should have left all the pubs closed at the same time as they could all open, which that they left half more open, and it was very, very unfair to the people that were closed. Well, it was a point that the bigger ones could open and the ones that were doing food could open, whereas the smaller pub couldn't get as many people in, didn't do food, so there was no point opening, isn't it? No, no, that's right, but I mean, why, why, why you open the bigger pubs? They were still selling drink. So you think that the what what are you saying that the thirty seven I'm, I'm sure a portion that when it happened like they're not talking about the pubs goes down but we say like like my son is like he's 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 doing okay but what about a rural pub that was there and there was a pub up and down the road there was a pub and restaurant down the road so he was open so you could go in there and have your beer so the other Johnny up the road was closed because he had no food. So then you're not going to go back there. You're going to the pub that you're going into for the last 18 months. You don't think they'd so go back to the local that they love, no? Well, like, I mean, you're out of local for 20 months. It's a long time. You know, things have changed. People died. You Like, I remember when we opened the pub back, open again, like, you're looking around and say, Jesus, do I know some of these customers? I know. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it, it changed, like, and, like, the, the other bit... And I suppose where, where you have pubs where the clientele, particularly by day, might have been elderly, unfortunately, yeah. over the last 20 months, some of them may have died. Oh, yeah, that's, that's quite true. And, like, the other, the other element in the room is, is, is Sky. Now, I know that you have to have Sky, blah, blah, blah. But, like, the fall-off of people coming to the pub to watch matches and things like that is is gone way down. You know, the, the, the football has gone way down in that. Now... In a normal pub per week would be paying Sky roughly about 200 to 250 euros a week. That's a thousand right? a month. That's for small pubs. The bigger they go, yeah, the more square footage, the more expensive, isn't well, it? You must remember now, the other thing about that is you must pay, pay BT as well because they broke up. So you have half the matches to Sky and half the matches to BT. So it's a double whammy. Okay, so, 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 so a, 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 the smaller pub... A supping pub would be 12 grand a year for Sky at least. What would BT be yeah. on top of that? That it? BT, oh, BT would be another 100 a week. A week? Yes. That's five and a half grand a year. Yeah. It's up to 17 well, like, and a half grand. And over the, over the period of time when all the pubs were closed, did that 17 and a half grand have to be paid? No. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of them, like, we wouldn't have 12 month contracts with them. They'd have six month contracts or three month contracts. And like they left it up to them, but like there's no negotiation with Sky. You either pay it or you don't. And like I'll give you an instance. We say if you were the pub, and we say you you do music three four nights a week, so that brings up your revenue, your takings. Yeah. Okay? Yeah, of course. So the more the, you, the more your takings go up, the more you pay Sky. How do they know that your takings have gone it, up? Because it goes on your turnover for your tax returns in the year. And do you have to send that to Sky? 
Well, they, I, I don't know where they got the information from, but that was done years ago with the Fitness Federation, and that years ago, they done that deal, which was absolutely crazy. But sure, that makes that no sense. That's like that's ago. like Sky saying in a family home that we're charging you more if two people are watching it, we charge you more if four people are watching it. You can't be doing that. Well, that's what they do. That's actually that's that's actually what they do. That's that's you're paying on your turnover. You pay Sky on your turnover. But there's there's bands that you pay on. You know what I mean? There's a band we say if you're turnover three hundred thousand okay. a year, you have a certain band if you turn. Oh, that's how they do it. Okay, you've to prove what band of turnover you're in. Um, okay, look, I I get what you're saying, and and Sky still has to be paid, even though numbers are down and not as many people yeah. can go into supping pubs. But uh, but the elephant of the room here is that pubs got the EWSS grant and staff that weren't at work got a pub payment. So that helped. Oh, oh that, that, was, that was actually very good. It was, it was, it kept a lot of the pubs open for the time being anyway. It kept a lot of them open because like, it, it was a very, very big help. There's no doubt about that. And it paid the bills when you were closed because like, oh, I, oh, my son lives in Danmire, so I, I, I went to the bar during the day Couple of days a week, not not in the summer, no, but in the winter when it was not the winter time. And I turn on the heating for an hour, and I go in the evening and turn on the heating for the hour, and leave on the lights, and you know, keep the upgrade of, of the place. They can keep it, you know. You have to have, you have to have heating and things like that, you know, even though you're closed. So like that pays the bills, you know that 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 was very That's good. Right. Was, that yeah. paid the bills. That's right. You know? Just a, now it's now it's payback time, you know. Just a couple of just a couple of points before I let you go. Um, you say that some of those thirty-seven pubs closed because punters went elsewhere and never went back to their local, right? Yeah. Uh, Michael O'Donovan said that um, a proportion of them were carrying big debt that they couldn't service when they were closed, and they just went under. Yeah, well, like if you look at the if you look at the the majority of all the smaller bars, you know the smaller bars wouldn't be carrying the debts need because they'd be family-run pubs for donkey's years. And they wouldn't be carrying big debts. Now, you might get a fella that we say bought a, bought a small pub and paid a bit too much for it. He probably wouldn't be able to survive. Yeah. But like the majority of the small pubs around the country that I know of are, are family kind of own pubs. So I wouldn't be thinking that there'd be a great amount of debt on them pubs. And I, 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 I would disagree with Michael in that sphere. Okay. Because, okay. okay. like, if you, if, you, if you look, like, I, I give an instance now, I went to the bar the other day, and I just got a letter in the door, so I opened the letter. And it was from the IRMO and the PPI looking for... for uh, the Irish Music Rights Organisation, IMRO and PPI, for uh, a licence for TVs and yeah, radio yeah. No, and it's music. Not, it's not a great amount of money, it's four or five hundred euros a year. But it's still four or five hundred euros a year. But they're looking for that. So how, how, how are you using their... their um, their facilities when you were closed. You're closed, yeah. yeah. Shouldn't, yeah. Ha- shouldn't have and to we pay were, it. We, yeah. were paying, we were paying an average of about 80 euros a month for BT. And when we got on to BT at the very start of the pandemic to cancel the account, they wouldn't do so. But would, so we had to, from the start of the pandemic for the, the Wi-Fi, for the start of the pandemic, to, to as I'm speaking to you now, we, we had to pay them every month. There was no leeway, no... No, it could have been twenty. It could have been the bones of twenty grand or more. But listen, would, would people notice, for instance, if you were to put the pint or a drop up by three or four cents? They, would they notice? Well, they did. Like I, I said, the majority of ours wouldn't mind. To tell you the truth, like I said that. People are looking, uh, they, they, they're thankful that they're being back, they're back in bars and that they can enjoy their old pint again now, you know. And like it's, it's coming back to some bit of normality. Yeah. By some you know that. It's, he's. he's Tipping away is nice and handy and, you know, well, we'd have a good localised trade and things like that. And, and tell me, how far back does Mox go? When did Mox open its doors first? I think, I think it's nearly 200 years old, I think. 
Would you say this is the first time in the 200 years that it was ever closed for so long back in the day with uh, COVID? Oh, there's no doubt I'd say that it was. Uh, I, think, I think it was famous day in Murphy for one day. I think the Murphy's Road, he owned it at one stage. And is it oh, second yeah. generation Ellis now, is it? Well, second and my third generation, my grandson, he's going up to college. He, he, he fills in a couple of days a week now. You know, he just opens when he's through college. If he's college 10 to 12, he might fill in for my son because... We, we, you can't get staff. There's, there's no no staff. Why? You know, it, you just can't get them. I don't. I don't know that they're not just there. We have, we have ads. We have ads in for the last four months, and we didn't get one. We didn't get one reply for bar staff. No, none whatsoever. And normally you would, would you? Oh, yeah, we we would like, and like we'd have, we'd have like, you know, no, if you if you were working as a full time barman for us, like you have four nights off one week and three nights off the next week which isn't you know a lot of pubs don't do that you have only two nights off and then you have three days off and four days off we we, do, we make up the hours that way you know that that you'd have good time off at these hours, and we still can't get them I know I suppose people are asking the question though can I get a good living as a full time barman can I raise a family and can I buy a house you know well, like, I mean, probably like you could say, that's it with every business. Sure, I know, I know, but they're looking you towards ones where... They wouldn't be able to have them. Well, They wouldn't enough. be able to afford a mortgage on the house. Like. True enough, true enough. Okay. So, so like, okay. All, all I'm saying is like, and then the other thing is then that, that, that there's this uh, insurance, the insurance costs. Now, we're, we're lucky. We're, we're, we, thanks to the God, we have no claims around that, but like... We we were with SPD and we didn't know what with this outcome that they took the case in Dublin. That's still going on. We didn't know whether we're going to get money off them or we're not going to get money off them. But I will say one thing: FPD had FPD had a clause that paid out in the event of a pandemic, and they don't want to pay out in it, isn't it? That's right. But <laughs> the one thing I will say about them that they got on to us when we were closed, and there was a couple of things that you know on your insurance they they gave us back money for even six and seven hundred euros. All right. Which you know no, that was that was okay. Like that every 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 five or six hundred euros is a help, you know? All right, listen, so like, great to chat with you. I'm delighted that Mox is open and may it be there for another two hundred years. Pass on I, I, from I, I, generation to generation. Thank you very much. All right, Tom, lovely chat with you. Regards to you Cheers all. Now, bye now. Take bye. care. Tom Ellis uh, from Mox. Uh, back in the day I used to visit Mox with uh, Sean Beecher. Actually I um was wrong because Beecher didn't drink stout. He drank pint bottles of Bulmers. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. Well, it looks as if uh, the d- Deliverance Day is back on the cards for Friday, the 22nd. Um, it looks as if um, the government are going to follow Neffet's advice and Neffet has given the go-ahead for nightclubs to reopen with conditions that would include vaccine passes. So you need to be double vaxxed with your COVID search, your QR cord, stuff like that. So I'll come back to more of that. So that's a bit of a turn up for the books. Looks as if um, we're going to keep taking more positive steps forward. Not for those who are not vaccinated, though. Unfortunately, they still will remain outdoors when it comes to uh, inside pubs or indeed inside a nightclub. Uh, But it's interesting because yesterday afternoon, all the eyes are set to uh, somewhat easing restrictions on Friday, as I say. But the national conversation has been kind of all been about the uh, 307,000 plus who've been not vaccinated against COVID-19. And they don't have to if they don't wish to, incidentally. This is not mandatory. Uh, Seamus Whelan was on the streets of Cork yesterday just to gauge public opinion uh, on the people who are vaccinated and those who are not vaccinated. He was on Princess Street. He was on the Grand Parade. He was on Patrick Street. And he was up around the North Main Street. Have a listen. Vaccinate every one of them. 
He should be vaccinated. Did it not have personal choice? No, I don't think they should have a personal choice. I think they should be mandatory. I'm, I'm jabbed, right, twice. And I think everyone should get jabbed because it's just killing other people. But like they do say that because you're vaccinated, yeah. it doesn't stop you from getting it. It doesn't stop from getting it, but still, I think for everyone should should get it. For, for the sake of it. And those that don't, should they be curtailed from their activities, like not going to bars, restaurants? No, not really, no, but they should have respect and not show up to these venues and stuff if they, do, if they don't be, you know? They should have respect for other people and, and their choice. But even though they should, even my own, my own opinion, everyone should be back. back should be comforts, children even. There's a lot of argument to have vaccination, but if you go down the road of you must be vaccinated, you're going down a slippery slope, aren't you? You know. But uh, I think the pressure will pile up that people can't go abroad, you can't fly, you can't go to the pub or the club, that you will be forced into it that way, but it's better than saying you must have it done. You know. So I don't know if you saw in New Zealand it was no jab, no job. Yeah, it is in Australia. Friends in Australia they've said that. No job, no job. Yeah? And walking away from jobs because they don't want vaccinated. So, but that still leaves you your personal choice. That's still different from saying you must have it. This vaccine vaccine has been rolled off so quickly. We don't know what the yeah. outcome of this is going to be five years, ten years. They said they can come up with a vaccine in 18 months. But they can't, like they said, they can't come up with a cure for other things. But as a, as a fella said, what's the point of coming up with a cure when they can only manage it? Yeah. I think money. this is the new flu. And as we become more immune and more immune, Regarding those, you said that you, you you don't feel that somebody should be kind of pre- press ganged into taking. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. should their movements be curtailed? Should they be stopped from going indoors? And no, 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 no. I think maybe like Jesus, that's like you can't outcast people like that. Like um, this should be allowed as long as they're wearing protective gear. You know, their mask, uh, sanitise. Look, oh, we don't know. You don't know if I've been vaccinated. I don't know if you've been vaccinated. You know, and we're still having a conversation. So, I think they should be left go where they want to go. You know, like, you can't force people to do anything they don't want to do. But I think it just puts other people at risk. Um, because I know personally someone that has, is at the high risk, yeah. uh, and that's. Not the only reason I did it, but is the one of the main reasons I, I personally did it. I mean, my parents, and you have to think about other people. You can't just be it's a bit selfish, I think. Well, I myself am in the high risk group, so I have MS. So, um, yeah, for me, it's like really important that my family and friends got vaccinated. And even though that I do know people personally that didn't want to be vaccinated, but because of me. And putting my health first, they decided to get vaccinated, which obviously means a lot. So I think that if you do have someone in your life that is high risk and you have the potential to give them, um, you know, COVID and put them in a horrible situation, like why wouldn't you get vaccinated? But they, they're saying that the viral load that a vaccinated person compared to a non-vaccinated person would be the same. It could be still passed on. You could still get COVID. So I work in a, I work in a clinical environment myself, yeah. uh, and it's it's super important that like we just can't have it. 
at all. Uh, the business will just shut down, um, and that's just not something. So, personally and as, yeah. a, as a professional, um, you know, I I don't see the, the point in taking risk of it coming in. I know you're saying that it's there's a chance even if you are vaccinated, but why take the chance? I'd ra- yeah, I'd rather have peace of mind to say like yeah. I am vaccinated. I've done most of the best I can do, as well as all the restrictions on the the the, self, uh, the uh, social distancing, which still has to be thought of as well. It can't just be we can have brushed under the carpet now that we potentially might be going into less restrictions. It's just, you know, you have to think of everything. It's not just, oh, you got the job and that's all you've done. You have to really contemplate and think about the day-to-day. I don't think people should be forced to take it, but there has to be consequences if you don't, like getting into enclosed arenas or getting into matches or things like that. I don't think you should force them, but they may have to pay a cost if they don't have a vaccination. But I mean, they have to be careful then, like that they'll be mixing with people that's already done. And um, like, I mean, it could spread because it's still not gone and it won't go. Even getting the vaccine doesn't mean that it's not going to be spread. But there are oh, incidents no, no, where people have, have had the mean, vaccine. Yeah. yeah, could walk either ways, like, you know what I mean? I suppose you've taken into account the ICU cases more so than anything, and they're rising now, so like, you kind of wonder, is it the unvaccinated that are actually in ICU or the vaccinated people? Kind of have to wonder that too, wouldn't you? Well, you do. I gave the stats out on that earlier on, but you also have to look at people who are in ICU for other conditions and also have COVID, but it may not be um, the main reason that they're in the ICU in the first place. Hope you're keeping well. I won't lie. Your show, this is from yesterday, is making me really upset. It's not you. It's the people phoning in with the opinion that everyone should be vaccinated. Uh, actually, incidentally, I thought that people in that Vox there were quite uh, were quite respectful um, and... Uh, uh, quite, for want of a better word, tolerant of people who are unvaccinated, just asking them to be careful. Anyway, she says, I'm a young woman. I have no intention of taking any vaccine. I have my entire life ahead of me and I hope to have my family some someday. There's not been enough research done to say that any of the vaccines will or won't affect fertility in women or men in the future. Until there is solid evidence that the vaccine won't cause any issues to my health in the future, I won't be happy to take it. We won't know how much how damaging this vaccine may be for several years as it was developed in such a short period of time. People will argue that every medication known to man has side effects, and I agree, but this vaccine is so new, hasn't been enough trials and research carried out on it. We are the guinea pigs, if you like. My mother received the J&J vaccine when she was urged to do so by the government. She had no previous health issues prior to receiving the vaccine and now suffers from vertigo and was recently hospitalized for a blood clot in her lung. She's 55 and is now on medication for the foreseeable future. She has said herself, if she had her time over, she would not have taken the jab as it's no coincidence that she became unwell after receiving the vaccine. To me, the vaccine literally makes no difference and you can contract COVID-19 regardless. We were all initially told that this vaccine was the key to returning to life as we knew it. There are more people vaccinated than unvaccinated in Ireland and we're still living with restrictions. And for the people who will say that's because not everyone is vaccinated, please remember there are people in hospital and at home in isolation who are fully vaccinated. I now feel that because I'm not willing to take the vaccine for a virus that has a very high survival rate, that I'm being punished. What is actually happening in Ireland, I wonder, I will be treated differently by this state 
state I've lived, lived in all my life because I'm not willing to take a vaccine. Our government is pitting people against each other and it makes me feel physically sick. I do not care if anybody decides to take the vaccine. That's their choice. They're entitled to do as they please with their body. So can people please stop frowning at people who've made the decision to not take it? It's ridiculous. Life has changed dramatically and unfortunately not for the better. People are suffering and something needs to give. I hope for everyone's sake that things get better and restrictions are lifted. Life simply cannot go on like this. COVID is here, not going anywhere. We need to learn to live with it and to move on, says Emma by email to neil at uh, redfm.ie. We'll pick it up, that and lots more besides. Incidentally, after 10, Joe O'Shea, columnist with the Irish Mirror. I mentioned his column on air yesterday morning. He's got some very strong words for the unvaccinated in his column in yesterday's Mirror. We'll chat with him and perhaps you after 10. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from 4 for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from 4. Dave Max Drive. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Assuming the changes for the better, of course, on f- that we're hearing about this morning happen on Friday, it means that uh, a lot more will be open for the Jazz Weekend. And imagine the nightclubs, if they can get their act together as well, will be open for the Jazz Weekend as well. And we have tickets to give away every day this week. Double passes for the Metropole Hotel. Uh, and there'll be jazz throughout the hotel across the week. Weekend. It has for many years been the HQ and the hub of the jazz and nothing's changed there in the new look Metropole Hotel, the ultimate spot. So you're listening out for this cue to call sometime between now and midday when I play it again, double passes for the Metropole. Have a listen. This is what you're listening out for. Um, and it'll happen sometime between now and about quarter to midday. <laughs> Dave Brubeck's Take 5. So when you hear that again, pick up the phone, one 104 106 Now, I'll come back to texts and emails, but one of the more opinionated pieces that I've read in a while from a columnist was yesterday's um, column from Joe O'Shea in the Irish Mirror. Now, well, he probably didn't write the headline, which said, the point is we've had enough of these selfish anti-vaxxers. He may not have read the, written the headline, but he certainly wrote the column. He says, almost two years into a deadly global pandemic, the unvaccinated are the hardcore cranks, the wildly misinformed, and the outrageously selfish. And he joins me by phone. Joe, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Those are your words, though, aren't they? They are, yes. And uh, just to be clear, there's there's a difference here and it, it gets very complicated, but I'll be as clear as I can. There's a vaccine hesitant, which we have seen, for instance, uh, there were in- issues recently with uh, women, uh, pregnant women, and uh, there was a lot of work done to reach out to them, to explain, to reassure, and that seems to have had some success. So there's a vaccine hesitant, uh, and there's also a small, very small minority of people who have genuine medical reasons for, um, you know, not getting the vaccine or being very hesitant about getting the vaccine. And then you have another cohort, which is the anti-vaxxers. Now, that's in particular who I was talking about there. It's not the vaccine hesitant. It's the people who, for no good reason, in the face, the flying in the face of logic, reason, the best scientific advice available, the overwhelming evidence available, are, are still clinging to this cult-like uh, and sometimes very uh, vociferous and often very abusive uh, belief or, or, you know, crusades against what they see as some sort of 
mad, massive, mad global conspiracy to get people vaccinated? Uh, not all of them. I mean, there are about 370,000 and a lot, an awful lot of them say that it was rushed, that it is a trial drug. Others, yeah. uh, an email a second ago there from a very well-versed woman who says that she's got worries about her fertility. I mean, these are reasonable yeah. worries for people to have. Well, there's, there's vaccine, there, is, there are reasonable questions, definitely. There's research and vaccine hesitancy, you know, and I'm not a virologist, and most of the people making these arguments are not virologists. And uh, doctors will try and explain this. And if you talk, if people talk to their doctors, they will get good advice and sound advice. The people I'm talking about here are not those people, not the vaccine hesitant. The people that I was talking about are the people who will not listen to any reason. The only immunity they seem interested in is immunity from reality. And they spend quite a lot of time abusing people, shouting at frontline workers, screaming at guards, putting people in danger, inconveniencing people, loudly going into shops and taking our masks off, like it's some sort of, you know, makes them Nelson Mandela. And those are the people that get frustrated with and tired with. And to be honest with you, Neil, I'm tired of talking about them. I'm tired of dealing with them. I'm tired of hearing about them. We're all tired. We just want to get through this. We want to get back to normality. But you can't, you can't say that 370,000 of them are going no, around not. shouting at people taking off their no, masks. No. I mean, I talk to them every day. They make very reasonable yeah. points and they feel as if they're being, um, that they're being uh, segregated, dealt like second-class citizens. And, and also sorry, they Neil, would say... Thought, sorry, Neil, I thought it was clear there, but I, I reiterated. I'm not talking about 370,000 people unvaccinated. There are many reasons for quite a few people being unvaccinated. There's been problems reaching uh, immigrant communities in Ireland. There are people with vaccine hesitant. Just to be clear, I'm not talking about 370,000 people. I'm probably talking about 25,000 people. And I don't want to talk about them anymore at all. I'm sick of talking about them. But yep. they have no logical argument to make. If, if they can point to any respected or accepted scientific evidence, yes. But they can't. And what they, res- they resort to is abuse is targeting people. So targeting some. journalists like Rodney Edwards the, the other night with death threats of the Sunday Independent. And I'm tired of talking about them, Neil. That's it. But one third of those in ICU are fully vaccinated. Why is that? Yeah, Neil, again, uh, you know, this is not a rational debate, right? You can definitely talk to a scientist because I can't give you the proper reasons behind that. But we do know that quite a significant proportion of people in ICU are the unvaccinated. And we've seen in other countries that, especially in the US, but in Italy and in France, that the unvaccinated are making up a significant proportion of people in ICU. By the way, taking up scarce ICU beds in a country like Ireland that doesn't have a properly functioning health system, Mm -hmm. that should be going to other people. Again, I don't want to talk about these guys anymore. I'm sick of talking. Oh no, it's, that's fine. But you, you wrote you wrote the column yesterday, and, and many I regarded did. it as being very divisive. In fact, I, I saw one or two people text coming in this morning saying that it was bordering on hate speech. No, it's not bordering on hate speech, Neil. I do. I wouldn't accept that at all. You know, I've been getting lots of texts and stuff like this this morning and emails and stuff. I haven't read any of them because okay. they usually start off with you s and you you know all yeah. this kind of stuff. Yeah. So I just mute them. I just block them. I don't read them. My late mother used to say to me, the only respect the opinions of people you respect and the kind of messages I've been getting this morning, I have zero respect for their opinions. I'm zero. I do not want to listen to them. It's not a rational debate. I'm not getting involved. 
Listen to the science. Talk to your doctor. If you're vaccine hesitant, go do talk to your doctor. Don't get it off Facebook. There's no debate to be had. There's no questions to be asked. The people here will say, I'm doing my own research. If one of them uh, cut their, their foot on a rusty nail this morning, they wouldn't uh, go into the hospital and say, oh, technic shot. No, I'd rather do my own research first than that. So because you, you refer to those uh, that uh, some Egypt called Real Vax Truth 97 posting idiotic cra- crap about 5G masts. Uh, yeah, or the or a conspiracy is talking about world global control. Yeah, we've had 5,300 deaths in Ireland from COVID. We've been lucky in some respects. In Italy, where they're bringing in green pass mandates, where they have brought them in for, for, for the workplace and requiring people to have vaccination certs, they've had 130,000 deaths. In France, 117,000 deaths. Millions of people all over, all over the world have died. And the argument we're hearing from the hardcore anti-vaxxers is, um, I, I, I'm not worried about a, 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 a global, once in a century global pandemic that has killed millions of people and shut down our lives for two years. But I am worried about the risks. You know, I'll, I'll take, I'll face the risks with that. But, you know, the risk from a scientifically proven, over and over, overwhelming, uh, scientific, scientifically proven vaccines. I, I am worried about that. What it comes down but to you know, you know, at the end of the day, you cannot discriminate against somebody over a vaccine. This is not mandatory, not yet anyway. It is their um, right. Yeah, no, it is, Neil. And my argument, it is, it is, it is their right. Nobody's talking about forcing people to get vaccinated. I don't think you'd be able to do that. But if it's their right to not get vaccinated, it's my right to say, right, I don't want you in my workplace. I don't want you in my pub. I don't want you in, in my daughter's school. I don't want you anywhere around me because unless you have a sound medical reason to not take the vaccine, and that's highly unlikely, then sure, you want to do that. It's your choice. Go ahead. But do not expect. But, they, but uh, a the proportion of them are... The rest of us locked down. But, the rest of us locked down for months and months and months. 50,000 cases in the UK yesterday. 50,000 new cases. Is this what we're going to go to? But we were told that the magic pill, just in defense of those who really are scared of the vaccine, they are literally scared. And and I've dealt with people on the air who've been doubly vaccinated and are very, very sick. You know, blood clots on the lung, problems. Again, Neil, Neil, I'm not a scientist, so I can't. can't No, but I'm saying they're genuinely genuinely good people who are afraid. They're not 5G, uh, you know... Um, you know, screaming and roaring at nurses. They're just generally, they're just genuinely afraid. Again, Neil, maybe I was unclear when I said to you, I'm not saying that 370,000 people are lunatics or anything like that. But what I am saying is, and again, it's the people that I do not wish to hear from or talk about again ever in my life, are the people who are spreading misinformation, who are targeting health workers, targeting doctors for abuse, who are trying to prevent people. You see, the thing is, it's not enough for them. It's my choice. I'm not getting the vaccine. That's not enough for them. They have to scream it from the rooftops. They have to stand on Patrick Street and say, vaccines this, vaccines that. I'm sick. Like, I may sound angry, but I'm not. I'm just tired. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of two years of endless lockdowns. I'm tired of the dislocation. I'm tired of not being able to travel, not being able to see my family, not being able to see my friends. And but but you but, but you but you can do that if you're vaccinated. Uh, Neil, yeah, <laughs> I can do that if I'm vaccinated. Yes, but I'd rather to get past the whole thing. We're going to have to 
get people, as many people as Nin- possible. I know. People who, people who haven't been vaccinated will say 94% of the population have been and it seems to have still made very little difference to numbers. Now, deaths are different, thanks be to God. But look at ICU. We were told the magic pill was vaccines. In 90, 94% of the population uh, fully vaccinated and the ICUs have like 12 beds left nationally. You see? Yeah, Neil, who, who are the people in the ICUs who is a significant proportion and will be a growing proportion of people in ICUs will be people who are unvaccinated. Again, this is not a rational argument. It's not a rational argument to say, well, we were told this and science hasn't solved everything overnight, so science must be wrong. There's this just asking questions thing. This just, well, you know, I know a guy who got sick and he was vaccinated. That's, that's a nonsensical argument. I, I'm not... Listen to the science. Listen to rational arguments. Listen to your doctor. Do not ask anybody else for advice on a vaccine. Don't ask me. Don't ask the radio presenter. Don't ask anybody else except your doctor or somebody who's qualified. Because you say in the column that um, sooner or later when they actually possibly end up fighting for their lives in hospital, they're using their last breath to say that they should have been vaccinated. We've seen this over and over again. And again, I wouldn't wish it on anybody because I've seen it up close, Neil. I wouldn't wish it on anybody. And that's the crying shame of the whole thing. There are people who are, as you say, scared. And the crying shame of it is that they're being fed this misinformation through social media, through through many, many channels. They're being fed misinformation, scare stories, and they're being fed it in the most, you know, irresponsible, selfish, ridiculous way. And it's also been infiltrated as well by people who are coming in from all sorts of weird directions, including far right, including QAnon, you know. And again, you're going to say to me, well, they're not all like that. And I know they're not, Neil, but it's a dangerous, toxic situation where people can get drawn into this. So where we're at now then is that if that's their decision, you're telling them stay at home and stay out of the rest of our lives, is it? I'm not telling them that, but I'm saying that's the choice they're making. They're going to have to, unfortunately, and it's happening in the U- in the US, which is like if they can if they can bring in vaccine mandates for companies with employees over 100, which is 80 million US employees, if they can do it in the US, which is the US, which has seen the most virulent, crazy anti-vax like violence, then it will be something that happens here. It's happened in France already. Macron did it. He was told that he was signing his political death warrant by doing so. But you know what? Macron brought in vaccine mandates for the workplace and vaccine uh, rates Uh, uh, went up sharply. uh, It uh, works. uh, And what are you saying here? Is that should that happen for everybody? Are Are you saying that should happen for somebody in healthcare? If they don't get vaccinated, they lose their job? No, Would no, there be a column you know, about that? You, no, you don't have to. No, you don't have to do that, do you? You can, no. you can say to people, right, especially in healthcare, and I'd be surprised if there's many Irish healthcare workers because I've had a lot of contacts from health workers since I wrote that and since I was on Clare Byrne last night in RT who said, thank you. Thank you for saying this because... Again, I'm not, I'm not a crusader on this. I'm not genius. I'm not the, you know, the, the font of all wisdom on this. I'm just expressing my absolute exhaustion. But what if they're proved right that down the track this was rushed through and there will be consequences of it to people's health? <laughs> Neil, again, that's not a rational argument. The, the, but but the, why the isn't it? Is there. The science is, if, what if, what if uh, John Murphy from Watergrass Hill, who has been patiently researching virology for the past two years 
online? What if he's proved right in two years' time? There is no... Who, who is proved right? Which Show me one reputable scientist who's saying this is a major risk. This is something... They've done the trials, they've done the tests. It's been decades. It's a, it's a scientific miracle that we got a way out of this pandemic. It's a scientific miracle, right? I trust the science. I trust the science. I, tr- I listen to doctors. And I, that's who, that's, they're the only people you should talk to. If you're vaccine hesitant, it's understandable. If you're scared, it's understandable. But please only talk to a doctor. Talk to your doctor. Do not go on Facebook. And do not listen to the people, the anonymous accounts, who will spread all of this misinformation because it's toxic. And because we want to get out of this, we want to get back to normal. Okay, so I'd love to enjoy the jazz weekend. Do you okay. know, that's, that's, that's all I want to do. I never want to talk about vaccines again in my life, ever in my life again. Why, is that because of the reaction to yesterday's comment? I mean, you say it, no, it's, all it, very well to, it's all very well to write it, but then why not look at what people are saying about no, what I you have wrote? No, I have no interest. I have no interest, Neil, to be honest with you. I mean, I know, I listen to people with vaccine hesitancy, but the only people I've heard, of, heard from are people who are you know, threatening me, basically. So, and if, it's not just me. They threatened Rodney Ed- Edwards, Sunday Independent. Um, Phys- is that physical was. threats to your safety, kind of? Well, you know... Or name, or name calling. Area. No, listen, it's like it's never going to happen and all that and all that kind of stuff. And, you, you know, this happens all the time. I'm sure you get plenty of abuse yourself. Everybody does, if you're in the media, because people confuse reporting stuff or they confuse having an opinion with an attack on themselves. I'm not trying to attack anybody. I don't think anybody who's calling for rational, you know, approach to, to this horrible situation we're in. And you can understand why people are scared. You can understand why people are exhausted. You can understand why people are suspicious. It's understandable. But talk to the scientists. Talk to your doctor. Listen to the science. Mm, okay. Okay. You, so you, but you don't regret terms like hardcore cranks or selfish? No, I or, don't because, okay, you know, okay. Neil, because, you know, in, let's say ignorance, there is a ignorance, small, reckless a small minority, but yeah, but they're, you know, it's, it's people who have for their own weird agenda are not, not happy with saying my, my choice. If it's your choice, it's your choice. It's not that. They need to scream it at people. That's what I don't like. Let me get some calls on this. I'll let you get on. Thank you for taking the time to chat this morning, Joe. Appreciate it as always. Thank Joe you. Joe Shea, columnist, uh, Rebel Without a Cause, as the column's called, and I suppose it lives up to uh, its name, Joe Shea, columnist with the uh, Irish Mirror. Text 0868104106 on that one. Liam's standing by, Michael's standing by. Actually, Fiona agrees with, uh, with uh, Joe Shea, and she's online too. Fiona, good morning. Hi, Neil. Okay, you've heard about that. I was just I was ringing to thank Joe. I saw him last night on the Claire Byrne show and I thought he articulated it perfectly and everything he said needed to be said and I think he's very valid points and I'm just going mad he's gone there because I just wanted to thank him on air. Oh, but anyway... I'm sure, I'm sure, he's, I'm sure he's heard it but uh, he, he, no, it's one thing to um, talk about anti-vaxxers who are, who are shouting, as he says, at, uh, at nurses or, uh, you know, shouting at the vaccinated... But at the same time, he's kind of shouting himself, name-calling, calling anti-vax um, people well, cranks no, and he, he, selfish. He was just articulating, really, that it's not good enough that if, if they don't want to, he doesn't want them in their space. And, and I agree with that because I had a buddy, and she's a very good buddy. I still have her. I love her dearly. But she, she was kept sending me these videos. And to be honest, like I was petrified, Neil. And it took me four attempts to go to get vaccinated myself and I have underlying health issues. Did you tell her to and stop just, sending you those videos? I did. I had an argument one day. It just got to me so much. 
I just said, listen, stop this. Leave me make my, my own mind up. I said, I will make my own mind up myself. I don't want anybody influencing me. So I, I had to say that because I was so, so nervous about everything. And in the end, my doctor said, listen, you need to get this. He said to protect yourself. So in the end, I did. But it took me four attempts. I was so petrified from everything I was being told from other sources. And I agree with everything like Joe said. Absolutely, 100%. That's all I wanted to say today. Well said. Okay, and I know he will hear that. So thank you for that, uh, Fiona. Paul, good morning. Good morning, how are you? Are you picking up on my chat with uh, Joe Shea, is it? I I absolutely am, yeah. And I would like to counter several of the things he said. He has said that there are no doctors questioning this worldwide. There are literally thousands of doctors questioning the, uh, the current approach. Um, and questioning the technology. He said this is a proven technology. It is not proven. And may I just remind everybody, it is still in an emergency use only authorization. So it has never been fully approved because it has never been fully tested. So for him to say it's unequivocal that people should take it, it's absolute nonsense. You believe it's wrong for him to say follow the science, follow the science, what? But I wish Joe O'Shea is not a scientist, nor am I. But I am listening to doctors like Dr. McCullough in America, who is telling people that nobody, no healthy person under 60 should be taking these vaccines. 58% of those in ICU are not vaccinated, as against uh, 32, 33% of those in ICU fully vaccinated. Why is that? If the vaccine isn't beneficial, why are two thirds of them unvaccinated in ICU? Okay. Okay. Why? Just just let me just... Well, you ask, why not get an expert on like Dr. Marcus de Bruin? Why are you getting someone on like Joe O'Shea? Could you not at least invite on two medical experts from both sides of the argument that might... This is a, this is a debate that is so sadly missing in Ireland. There is so much misinformation on both sides. I would absolutely agree. But it's up to broadcasters like you to have a bit of integrity and ensure that there is a balanced debate among experts but I debated, I debated, I debated all of the time uh, with people who are either on the side of vaccines or not. I mean, my job is to can, talk can to you, the people. Can you, can, you te- can you tell me some of the doctors that you've had on? With a oh well, I mean, I have had them in the past, but it's, at some stage you, you just, like have, name, name you just have to cry halt on it. I mean, why isn't would he in time? Why isn't? Why would you cry halt to an expert? And I'm not crying. I'm not crying halt to it. I think we have to cry. I'm saying at some stage we have to cry halt to COVID. I mean, it's twenty months on now. I mean, I, mean, I don't... You, you asked me a question, Niall. Can I ask you a question? How can you account for... What was the percentage of vaccinated people in ICU? The 33%. So, are you telling me that the vaccine was successful for those 33%? Clearly not. Okay, so why then are we putting all our eggs in one basket of something that is obviously not... I have said said it on numerous occasions that is this the magic pill that we were told it was going to be if one third of those in ICU are fully vaccinated. But you can't can't dismiss that two thirds in ICU are not vaccinated. You see, that's the problem. I mean, you know, why? I'm not dismissing it. What I am saying, what I am telling you is it is obvious. So do you think 33% of people that get vaccinated for measles get measles? Do I think that thirty three percent? I don't know. I don't know what the efficacy of the of the the measles vaccine is. I don't know. Yeah. Or can I can I just even do raise you, another do another you know? side note? For no, I don't. I'm I'm asking you. Do you would, would you think it is successful? 
I think I think the eradication of measles has been successful. Yeah, but measles hasn't been eradicated. I know, but by, by but by and large, from where we were at in no, say like I, I the sixties and the seventies, I, I never got vaccinated for measles. I got measles as a child, okay. and I now have natural immunity. And all of the vitriol and the horrible talk that was on last week about the Irish footballer who has had COVID and who has natural immunity. Yeah. Why on earth would you go and get vaccinated for measles if you already had measles? I think I did as a kid, to be honest with you, if I remember correctly. I'm not sure, but I think I did. What I age are you, Nile? I seriously doubt you were vaccinated for measles. No, I didn't. I don't know whether I was or not. I believe that I got me measles. But here, like, here we are again. Yeah. <laughs> so would you go and get vaccinated against us? Uh, now? Yeah. No. No. Would you, if you had COVID, would you go and get vaccinated against COVID? I would COVID? imagine if I had COVID, I probably wouldn't need a vaccine, would I? That's exactly my understanding. Yeah. But yes, the Irish people are being whipped up into such a frenzy. Probably, would, probably would need it. Probably would need it next year, though, right? Why? Because you, you can have flu, and then you need a flu jab. It's my understanding. Yes, but it's a different flu. It's not the same flu that you're getting vaccinated for year after year. Do different strain. I do. Yeah. Diff- I do. I do. I do. Hang on, Michael. They pick, up on the, they pick up on the flus that are in circulation in the southern hemisphere. And they produce a vaccine against them. And it's a different type of vaccine. That's right. Let's understand this. People are calling this a vaccine. This is an entirely different technology to every other vaccine you and I had. And I've had almost every vaccine, including flu vaccines. Okay. So have you have you had the have you had the have you had the COVID vaccine? Can I ask you a question? Have you ever had an STD? No. Or are you currently being treated for an STD? (laughs) And what is your sexuality? They are questions nobody should ask, including you. All right, well, don't you don't have to answer it. What way has society gone? I'm sorry, but you've well, asked. You even ask second, you've asked me numerous personal questions, all of which I've answered. I answered your questions. It, you don't have to answer mine. It's fine. If you don't want to tell me, it's yeah, fine. But it's it, 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 it's a. You asked me to have measles. You asked me to have an STD. Society that you would ask that. Have you ever asked any of your um, guests as to their history, as to their medical history in relation to? Anything else? No. Nor do you have to answer the question. But if you have, it's it's probably not a question that you're comfortable answering for your own personal reasons. But it's a valid question to ask if somebody has a very, very, very strong opinion on whether the I don't vaccine think it is, is a safe. valid question. I, well, it's, it's exactly the same as I don't think you should ask someone their sexual history. It's a really, it's not an appropriate question. It's shocking that society seems to think that it is. It's it not. Might, it's not a reasonable it question my, to ask. It is it's my not, constitutional right. Yes, it is to look after my own bodily integrity. And where are all these women and men? Paul, I will, and, and I will defend your. I will defend your right every single day. The abortion referendum. My body, my choice. Where are all of those people? It is people your choice. Now? It is your choice. But I'm asking a question. How are we ever going to get out of this? Well, I tell you one thing. The vaccine is, or the so-called vaccine, if it's allowing 33 percent of the people in ICU, it's obviously failing. Are you happy that you would have to, have to take a booster every year and possibly twice a year? I don't know what the, the medical companies are planning for the rest of your days. Are you comfortable with that, even though it may not actually work? That's a personal question you're asking again now. There's all one-way traffic personal questions. So you're, I'm making you uncomfortable now, no, I, no, I'm far from uncomfortable, but I'm back to the curious point as to why you won't answer a personal question, but you ask me numerous of them. Will I take Will I take a booster next year? Yeah. I didn't say will you. Sure. I said would you be happy to. I didn't say will you. I said are you comfortable? Well, I'm still alive and kicking after a double dose. Well done. 
think I am anyway. Well done. And, and have, like, have you ever, have you spoken to people that have had serious adverse reactions? Oh, absolutely. To, absolutely. You need to listen to the programme more Joe often Shea because seems, there's... Joe Shea seems to be of the opinion that it's, you know, it's a no-brainer. If you were listening it's yesterday, for instance, you'd have heard my conversation with Nina, who is suffering awfully since January with long COVID. Absolutely hell she's had. And this is 10 months later. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. I talk to everybody and anybody, you included. Hold on hold on there a second if you want, because I have lots of other people here. Incidentally, I did have Marcus De Bruyne on air. I just had to check the date we did. He was on air last year. Um, you probably say that well, it should be on might have Monica instead of someone that's unqualified entirely. No, no, everybody. No, no. Just like you, Paul. Everybody's entitled to be heard, including Michael. Michael. Hi, Neil. Hi, just Jay. before Paul goes, was there a, a comment you had to make with regards to ICU, was it? Yeah, I guess there's there, there, well, there's two comments. There's, uh, the first is no vaccine is a hundred percent. That's that's known. Um, so yeah, with, with ICU, I, I think it's important to remember that um, it, without getting too mathematical, you've got thirty percent or say thirty three percent of people in there um, vaccinated are vaccinated. But that's why why from, why why are they in there? What they've been doubly vaccinated? Why are they in ICU? Being, because no vaccine is 100%. Um, yeah, but how, how many vaccines do you know that have been as bad as 77%? Like, uh, that's probably a terrible mathematical okay, thing so to, to put the 33 first. But I mean, okay, that's you can, shocking. Let me, okay, so what you have is 33% of people who are in there um, have uh, been vaccinated. That's 33% from a much larger percentage of the population. Nearly 5 million. Nearly 5 million yeah. of the population well, results in 33%, whereas 300,000 of the population results in 57%. Yeah. So you've got a much higher percentage of people in ICU. You've nearly doubled the percentage of people in ICU from a fraction of the population. So you can True. see... True, but you also have a huge amount of the population vaccinated, so-called. That is failing for. God, being vaccinated completely increases your chances of not ending up in ICU. Yeah, 82 82 people are in ICU out of 5 million vaccinated. Yeah. 149 are in ICU out of 300,000 unvaccinated. There you go. So the percentage of people unvaccinated is way, way higher than the percentage of people uh, vaccinated. Okay, thank you for that, Michael. It's a very important yeah, point. But I've, also seen, I've also seen those figures disputed by figures that are being released by the HSE versus figures that are being released on media on a daily basis contradict each other. Okay, so you believe, and just I'll finally... I'd okay. gladly send those on to you now in an email shortly. Well, feel free to do so Where and do feel free those? to call back anytime. Yeah, Michael, go on. No, I'm saying where do you, where do you see it? people seeing things? Uh, they see figures disputed. I mean, the thing about it is, as soon as you start questioning official figures, then you just start not believing anything. Well, you have to ask questions. Important to ask oh, questions. Of Science is about questioning what you're told. It's not about who do you believe if you don't. It. You can't believe official figures. Who can you believe? Well, I'm telling you, the official figures are We were told last year of the people who died of COVID or with COVID was inaccurate. Yeah, yes. with COVID is always obviously the better. Oh, well, we were, we were told, a di- we were sold a pop last year then with numbers that were being released at the time. Don't you recall? 
Was well, I would, I would, Niall, at this stage need to point out as well that the, the accuracy of a PCR test run at the number of cycles that they're being run at in Ireland is estimated to be at up to anything, up to 90% false positives. And that would much more reflect, if you took about 10% of that actual figure, they are people that genuinely have COVID and they're the numbers that you're seeing in hospital. Okay, gentlemen, can I move on? I'm happy to have chatted with both of you, but I have other calls and texts to do, but feel free to call back any time. That's Paul and Michael. Much obliged to them. one 850 You can text 0868-104-106. Back after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 1851-04-106. Red FM. Okay, so vaccines are likely to remain in place until January. There was an expiry date on the vaccine pass, which was supposed to be the 9th of January, so it'll be that or longer, some are saying it could be March or April but the upside to all of this is that Neffet and the Cabinet will probably follow the advice will go ahead with nightclubs reopening will that be Friday? I would imagine so but it will include um, admission by vaccine pass um, they're saying nightclubs can open uh, with Covid passes and social restrictions <laughs> how can you how can you socially restrict people in a nightclub? I don't know that's going to work but I wonder would that also apply say to weddings or to social events indoors or Christmas parties across the Christmas period because people are wondering whether or not they'll be able to book a Christmas party and things like that. But masks will stay and COVID passes too. They don't mention anything at all about uh, later opening times for pubs or I imagine that the restrictions with, uh, within restaurant settings, all of that will go, but of course only with, with COVID passes. And another thing that I've heard nothing about, there's a big hoo-ha about this 10 days ago, the new bank holiday. Did I miss that? Was I sleeping or something or was I just not paying attention? Did they actually name the new bank holiday yet or did all that just go take a colour uh, Anyway, back to the phone lines. Joanne, good morning. Uh, hi, Neil. Good morning. How are you? Uh, you say you're all tired. Well, listen, I, I'm as tired as the rest of you. I'm, t- I'm just, I'm tired of still being here in this. I'm tired of still talking about it. Not that it's important, but I'm still talking about it 20 months later. Oh, yeah, that's my point exactly. Like we were told, we were sold a pop, take the vaccine, save your granny's No, life. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that I'm still talking about it 20 months later. I don't know about being yeah, sold That's my pop. point exactly. I'm agreeing with you that we were told everything would be grand, the magic bullet, the vaccine, we get our lives back. And here we are now, back at square one. And this guy, Joe Shea, he's on about the anti-vaxxers. And, you know, that they're lepers of society. Never said like. that. He never said that. I know he didn't, but that's the way the, word, the people are made to feel. Do you understand? Yeah. They're made to feel like lepers. Now, there's plenty of us out there, okay, that have family members that, for one reason or another, couldn't take the vaccine. I have a family member that couldn't take it. Okay? And her rights are just being walked all over. She can't go to a cafe. She can't go anywhere. Is it that you, it would seriously impact her health? No, she had a stroke. Yeah, so he's not, he, he, he actually doesn't have any problem with somebody who would have underlying conditions. He's talking about the aegis, he says, he, and these are his words, who are, who are Googling everything, are um, you know, sharing links um, from all over the world on, on Facebook, or following the science of Google. He calls them aegis, who will eventually, in the coming months, be packing the place out, blocking critical care for everybody. He calls them aegis, misinformed and well, selfish. That, well, that's his opinion, you know, and I mean, as he said, he said himself, he's not a virologist. He's, he's a nobody, really, and I don't know why he was given airtime in RT, who only always give one side of the argument anyway. Well, well, they had then, no one from the other side last night. Like, did anyone ever hear of thalidomide? There's people out there that have serious concerns about this vaccine. Good point. There good was, point. There good was point. women, there was women 
pregnant women back in whatever 60s, 70s were told, take this morning sickness pill, everything will be fine. And then we have thousands of babies born deformed and, you know, without arms and legs and stuff. They were sold to pop. So that's why you have a lot of people are hesitant to take this vaccine because they don't know what's going to happen in the future. They don't know down the line. It's an emergency license. 2023, it will be signed off and then we'll know if it's safe or not. So there's plenty of people out there that, that are not ignorant, like he suggested. You know, why is this person be given airtime? Because That's he wrote, because we're he, because our he, TV license because, for one side of an argument. No, but he, the other side is not, not interested. In, not interested. Well, I'm interested because I begrudgingly paid paid the television license myself but that's that's not the reason uh, I, I spoke about his column yesterday morning on the air and I invited him on in, in fact I have to say I don't know if I was a columnist would I be as brave if I had his opinion would I even be as brave, brave to share it that? I think What's he's taken a lot that? he's taken a lot of flack he, he incited hatred as far as I'm concerned it says paragraph D the 2009 Broadcasting Act Anything which may reasonably regard it as causing harm or offence as likely to promote or incite to. So opinions now, somebody's opinion doesn't single out an individual and has a go at many hundreds of thousands of people. So I don't think that's defamation. So well, somebody's no, opinion, opinion now. His opinion is on national so, television. So an opinion now is a breach of a broadcast act. See where no, we're going not. with it. Why hadn't there somebody on, on the other side, that, like my, my sister-in-law? Why wasn't she given airtime in our I'm sure that, well, I don't, can't speak, but I'm sure that Claire Byrne probably took the defensive on that. She did, she absolutely didn't. There was no, there was a young guy uh, that came out with a, with an idea that, oh, the unvaccinated now should be kept out of supermarkets and this thing. And what do they want people to do, starve to death? I'm sorry, no. No, 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 you can't keep people out of supermarkets, but you could perhaps ask them, would you mind wearing a mask? Would you mind sanitising your hands? And off you go. That's fair enough. Yeah. But every every single day you turn on the channels and you'll always have Sam McConkie, Avery Minor, Luke O'Neill, all these guys that are all probably tied to Big Pharma. Sorry, but it's the truth. Well, some are, okay? some aren't, yeah. Some yeah. are, yeah. So there, there is a lot of intelligent people in Ireland. We're not all dumb, you know? And this is what this guy was trying to pull across as far as I'm concerned. How dare he tell anyone that they have to be kept out of society, um, isolated, as if they had some sort of disease, like zombies, you know? But this has gone on far well, enough. Well, it's not a worry of your own health, you know that. It's the impact it would have on other people's health. My body, my choice. It suited them for the abortion agenda, didn't it? It suited them for that. But now when it comes to this... It's not your body. Yeah, my body, my choice time. in that regard, of course, was very fundamental to women. I understand that. Those that had an issue with it was on, with the rights of the unborn. Um, and that was the big sticking point in that one. This is entirely different in the sense that your yeah. body, your choice impacts on strangers. Yeah. So they say, this is my okay. point. He also said, no. He said, there's no debate. Okay. There's no debate. I agree with him there. He was great on that point. There is no debate. It's all one-sided. The media are controlling everything you see. Joanne, I'm constantly, everything. I'm constantly giving airtime to everyone and anyone who has an opinion. In fact, in fact, I'm, I'm probably, if I'm to be honest with you, I'm probably worried that people are so fed up with this they're probably turning me off. If I'm to be honestly, absolutely honest, Neil, I'm not talking about you now. I'm talking about mainstream media, RT in particular, propaganda for the government. That's what I'm talking about. Thanks for not you including me in mainstream media. media. 
No, I'm serious. Can you honestly tell me that there was a debate last night? Didn't no, see it. Wasn't. Didn't see it. Well, well, you turn it on, download it on the iPlayer. All right. There was no debate. It was all one-sided. They put this guy on, who basically, I don't know who he is. I think he's an editor of Cork Bio, which I'll unfollow anyway, by the way, in respect to my sister-in-law, that's on this service to this date, care of my and I don't know, I don't think that's fair, really. That has absolutely nothing to do with the news provider, Cork Bio. It's as a columnist for the Irish Mirror, he wrote the piece. Okay, whoever he is, anyway. No, so, I mean, don't, don't go doing that because it's, it, it, has, it bears no connection at all to Corkville. Yeah, well, whatever. I'm sorry, okay. well, but do, whatever Do whatever you is, want. I'm just, I'm just telling He's you. not an expert. And as I say, thalidomide, Google it, and there's a lot of people have serious concerns about it, and they shouldn't be dismissed. All right, girl. Not, some of us have brains that we actually, you know, we, we know stuff. Okay. We're not all dumb. Nice chatting with you, Joanne. Stay in touch. Thanks for listening. Text 0868104106. No, I, I wasn't watching, just on a lighter note, for God's sake. I wasn't watching Claire Byrne last night because I was watching The Many Angels of Harlem, the prequel. I keep getting that wrong. The difference between prequel and sequel. The prequel of The Soprano, so it would be Tony Soprano when he was a child and all of the different characters in The Sopranos when they were much younger in the movie. It's about two hours long. It's a very good film. It's not, this is not uh, Goodfellas by any stretch of the imagination. This is not a Godfather. It's not up there. But it's not bad. It's not a bad movie, to be quite honest with you. They're not bad at all. Um, actually, another one I saw over the past few days. Nobody's seen Anybody seen um, uh, The Quiet Place? Well, now there's Quiet Place 2. Um, and if you've seen The Quiet Place and haven't seen Quiet Place 2, you're in for a really big treat because it's a lot better than the first one. I mean, an awful lot better. I don't want to spoil anything for you. But it, it actually, in Quiet Place 2, it goes back to what happened before Quiet Place 1. Can you follow that kind of logic? Well worth watching. Text The Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Uh, that and lots more besides uh, 1850-104-106. Liam is on line 4. Let's get a call in this side of 11. Liam, good morning. Neil, how are you? Good. Yeah. Not, much to- not much time, pal, so use it wisely. Go ahead. Yeah, I know, yeah. I work from home now and things here in Manchester. But no, I um, oh, I just um, was, was there listening um, online and all that and uh, I'm after kind of losing kind of uh, track of what's going on in Ireland. Like, But, uh, you know, like I always have more questions than answers when I'm uh, asking my friends about it. Just kind of like when uh, they're telling me that only 40,000 people can be in Crow Park but you can't fill voodoo in town, you know. And, uh, you know, um, this thing that unvaccinated people ha- have to sit outside just kind of doesn't make sense to me, like, because... Um, just, I'm not saying that, that the UK do it better, but they just do it differently in the way of... Uh, there are pretty much no restrictions, really, sure there's not apart from a bit of mask wearing over there. There <laughs> are, like, there's many masks now, to be honest. Like, you know, it's more of a choice, like, you know, and, um, you know, I'd wear mine just because uh, I actually got COVID there instead of uh, September. And you because, can't... Um, oh, and, okay, so I hope you made a full recovery. Yeah, all good? Yeah, no, very okay. good. Yeah, but just like that, you know, um, uh, I, I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy at all, you know, and, like... Uh, you know, like, w- w- when I got it, I, I isolated and looked after myself and, uh, you know, like, uh, made sure everyone knew, you know. Um, but even, um, like, before you go into kind of clubs and bars, there's this, like, barcode you have to scan and it brings up an app. And uh, if you have had COVID the last however long, it, it, it'll show up and you won't be able to get in, obviously. And, um, you know, and, and just things like that, you know, uh, you just have a lot of kind of different protocols and things. But, like, you know, all the clubs and bars and things are, are open. Yeah, here, but you know, that, doesn't, that doesn't stop somebody who has COVID who hasn't reported that they have COVID getting into a club or a pub. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but um, so there's yeah, no real restrictions there, in the UK. So there's things. yeah, there's no real restrictions. No, not really. Yeah, yeah. No, and, really, and you got fifty thousand know, positive cases a day, uh, and in uh, the winter coming. So how are they feeling about that? You know, like COVID's not even talked about over here, really. Like, um, you know, in uh, the pharmacy now, you can get a box of uh, the antigen test, and like they're free. You know, and before I, I go to work every day, before every football training I have to go to, I have to take one of them to show uh, that I'm negative, you know. So, like, uh, they do kind of manage it that way. And I think if you want to buy the same box test in Ireland, I think they're 30 or 20 or which doesn't make sense to me, like, because, you know, how can you make money off of pandemic, you know? And do you get them free? Yeah, I, I actually have them here, here in my hand. I'll send you a picture on WhatsApp there in a minute. Yeah, How many do you get? Do you get a regular supply of them free, is it? Uh, they're free in the pharmacy and there's 30 in a box. Oh, so, like, so everywhere you go then, or any kind of uh, social setting, you bring the the proof of the, anti- the negative antigen? Yeah, there's like a barcode on it, and you can scan it, it goes on your app or else, uh, you oh, know, right. you take a picture for it. That's how they'll do antigen so. then, it'll be a barcode onto the app, all right. Yeah, yeah, and like, it's all linked, I don't know when we go, people mightn't have the app for whatever reason, but if you don't have the app, you're not getting in, you know, like that's it, you know, like everyone is able to have an app on their phone, everyone has smartphones these days, you know, and just even like that, you know, like uh, just kind of opening things up, and um, I know now where... Uh, there's a lot of opinions going around about people are vaccinated and unvaccinated. But again, like, you know, it's personal choice. Like, people okay. who aren't vaccinated okay. shouldn't, uh, shouldn't be treated uh, just to stay outside and things. Uh, and you think we're, we're slow coaches, are we? We're way behind the times, is it? I think, I think yeah, there's a lot of other European like countries just like us. Uh, it just seems to be the UK that's gone on a bit of a solo run, you know? Yeah, like, just again, like, I've I kind of more question and answers, you know, because when they yeah. kind of set dates, you kind of, oh, 22nd of October, and imagine this, imagine that, and then they they kind of go back and then, you know, just, uh, I don't really understand it. And, you know, like, I, I, I've kind of no motivation to even go back and visit because, like, what am I going to do to enjoy myself? You know, like, uh, the younger generation are, are, are just going mad now at the moment, like, uh, not being able to, to enjoy their lives. And even, like, many of my friends are going over here and they're loving it. You know, and like they're just like, and they feel safe and they have their apps and, you know, um, the lads wear their masks and, you know, like um, it's all managed and things, you know. Um, but mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. no, I'm just okay. back home. I, I just think things are a bit behind, but that's just me. Okay. Thank you, Liam. Just as at one point, Texter says, my son did two antigen tests from the chemist. Both were negative. Two days later, he tested positive for COVID with a PCR test with the HSC. I'll I'll say that. No, like um, I actually um, nearly agree with that. So um, when and- I was, so that weekend, I, I wasn't feeling well. And on the Friday, I did a test. And on the Sunday morning, I did a test. And then on the Monday, I did a test again. And on the Monday, it, um, it was positive. So Two negatives and a positive. It might be a bit yeah. slow. It might be a bit slow in that way. But obviously, obviously okay. if you're not feeling well, like you, you, you wouldn't go to work or you wouldn't go to training, you know? Okay, my man. Thank you for listening. Regards to you all in Manchester. Back after 11. I'm Rory. And I'm Valerie. And you can join us for the very best in local, national and international sport every weekend on The Big Red Bench. That's The Big Red Bench, every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. An interesting point of view from Manchester, another one from Canada. Unfortunately, this uh, listener in Canada... Um, uh, tuned out for two weeks from the podcast. I listened abroad here in Canada and I took a break from the podcast for two weeks, returned last week uh, to vaccine chat. I just wanted to make a couple of points. I'm doubly vaccinated and I played GAA in Canada and we were all together for a meeting last month and 40 of us, men and women, are double vaxxed and two are not. Out of the 40 of us, no one had any side effects bar a headache and a sore arm for a couple of days. 
one of the two unvaxxed people you see got COVID, got de- desperately sick, while myself and four others who are doubly vaccinated ran the Calgary Marathon a couple of weeks ago. I respect the right for people to choose not to get it, but for their talk of it being dangerous just doesn't hold water, I'm afraid. Pfizer's been making vaccines for decades. Uh, they weren't just starting from scratch and Googling how to make a vaccine last year. Um, I'm also against forcing people to take it. My partner partner is an anti-vaxxer, which is a whole other story. But she told me uh, she will be let go if she doesn't get it and goes against everything she believes in, uh, which is not right in my book. Although I think, I think she should get it. He's saying here that she'll get, she'll get sacked. I don't think it's right to force people to get it or lose your job. Obviously, I'm in a tough position personally with me getting the two jabs and herself against it. That's all I wanted to say. Take care, respect each other's differences and opinion, and no name-calling, please, or tearing each other over this. Don't give out my details for personal reasons. Well, the name-calling actually um, has has been there for, for quite some time. And some are accusing uh, Joe Shays in his column column of name calling. Um, The indoor restrictions, I will come back to, I mean, the independent this morning talks of some restrictions being lifted. I'll I'll drill into it a little bit more later. Uh, But what I can say at this time is that um, nightclubs will reopen. They'll use the digital COVID cert. Uh, Booster vaccines will be rolled out for the over 60s. And interestingly, wedding guest limits will be scrapped. Uh, on Friday. So I will come back to that, but I'm conscious of calls backing up. Tony, Robert, and first up, uh, Luke. Luke, good morning. Neil, how's it going? Good, my man. Drive safety now. I know you're on hands free, so fair play to you. Um, and you're also on a motorway, which is somewhat safer as well. But you just want to pick up on Joe O'Shea's conversation, was it? I just, yeah, to be honest with you, I just wanted to pick up on a couple of points. Like, what I'm going to say is coming from experience. Like, it's, it's, I know he's, he's leaned heavily on the whole research side of things. Do you know that kind of way? Um, I just want to say first though that you were kind of getting a bit of stick for putting them on I just want to say you challenged them on everything so fair play there oh thank you but people are people are are, okay well fair play but people are entitled to be critical if they so wish I don't want to discourage that okay but thank you yeah yeah no look personally I don't think you should have came on either but credit where it's due you challenged them you know fair is fair Um, what I want to say is why why shouldn't somebody who has an opinion who puts ink to print not be heard well, I'm all about opinion. I just think that he was looking for attention with the column he put out and he just got extra attention by coming on here on RP. That's all. You know, it's nothing against you. I, I, you know, credit for you putting him on and challenging him because you spoke to him the right way. Do you know what I mean? You didn't let him... I asked him on, though. I mean, I, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's we rang Joe O'Shea. It wasn't the other way around. He's not looking for attention. I asked him, would he come on? Yeah, but you see, he, he's, he's very... It's, it's one direction with him. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just... He has, like, you're trying to make, not you, but everyone's trying to make arguments for what he said, not being hate speech. Well, let's be honest, it was absolutely borderline. I mean, you told him there was 370,000 people not back. And he done all but use the words that he wanted to, to narrow down the minority he was speaking about. Let's be honest, like, we all knew what he was trying to get at. And had he used the language he wanted to, he would have been with straight off the air. That's all I'm saying. It, you know, he had one agenda in his head, and that was it. And he just wanted people to hear what he had He's to say. not the only person in the world, though, that is encouraging people to... I mean, I don't necessarily agree with some of the name-calling, but he's not the only person in the world that is encouraging people to follow the science, surely. Oh, no, he's not. He's not. I might be the first person to tell you that, because I've witnessed it, you know? I've experienced it. I totally understand that. Um, but well, I'm just saying... Like, what have you, you know, expo- And what have you experienced? Well, I don't have the vaccine. But I wouldn't technically consider myself an anti-vaxxer because I've had vaccines in the past, okay. just not this one. Okay. Right? And I wouldn't be screaming from the rooftops not to get it. 
like like that woman you had on there earlier on, um, you know, she was saying she's tired of it. Like, uh, the majority of us that don't get it, we, we're not out there shouting from the rooftops. Like, no, you're not. No, you're not. You know? You're not. There, no, there is, Neil, fear is fair. There is a very small minority of 5G and all this crap. There is. That is going on. But likewise, on the other side, there's a small minority of people that think that everyone should just get it and that's the end of it and that, you know, there's no argument. That's not right either. You know, that kind of way. But from my point of view, I seem to be always making these calls to defend not getting the vaccine, not the other way around. Do people come out and they call us out? It's not the other way around. Like, you know, again, and there's been people on here, you do have a little minority of that. Well, like everything else, they don't speak for everyone else. Neil, like, you know what I mean? Well, like, he's saying um, he's saying don't want to get jabbed to protect yourself or other people around you. Okay, but, then you well, won't be wanting to eat or drink indoors, will you? Travel anywhere or be in the cinema, school, or workplace? I don't like that statement one bit. And the agenda that's been pushed out for the last eighteen months is, oh, you're being selfish. Don't get it for yourself. Get it for the vulnerable. But you're like. Why don't you, why don't the rich people give money to the poor people? Don't do it for yourself. Like, people are not being helped left, right and centre. But now all of a sudden there's an agenda being pushed that we should think about everyone else. And so why don't, else. why don't you think about others and their health? It's just, if, I'm just, I mean, I don't mean to be overly personal. Oh, I've accused of being that's, that's a good question. And I'm going to answer that question from my own circumstance. I have uh, heavy asthma. I have asthma all my life. So I'd be considered high risk. Yeah. I was actually offered the job fairly early on in all this carry on. And I didn't want to get it, right? For yeah. personal reasons. But you read out an email earlier on, Neil, of a poor woman that got a, a blood clot in her lung after taking the vaccine. Now, if that's because of the vaccine or asthma, I don't know, but, but it's a question. And if I was to get a blood clot in my lung, I'm a goner, yeah. good looking thanks. Yeah. And my argument, Neil, is I've been working up and down the country, I've probably been in every single country in the country in the last 18 months. Um, I'd, at the start, I was going to use some sanitizer going into the shop, but to be honest, what happened was I, I actually saw the shops giving up giving up on pushing because what happened was they started refilling the bottles with water and you could clearly tell and they just didn't want to spend the money buying the sanitizer anymore so then I gave up as well and I started you know not really going out of my way are you saying there was water in the bottles or they were diluting it with water I tell you now I could name six or seven shops off the top of my head that were just filling up the sanitizer bottles with water after the first couple of months but you never you never saw them doing that though I never saw it, but you know, Neil. You okay, know, like, if okay. you have a tiny bit of soap left at home and you fill it up with water, you know the difference. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay, okay, um, okay, okay. But like that, that's just one of the few things I witnessed. Like, but I'm just coming from experience. Like, uh, like I'd be high risk. Um, I've taken minimal precautions. I could have went away and got a note off the doctor to not wear a mask. I didn't do that just to avoid the controversy. I don't want the social... But those that are pro-vaccine will be say that here we have a chap on the air called Luke who's travelling 32 counties of Ireland um, and not following on any kind of sanitation protocols and is unvaccinated. Again, what I said was I did at the start I took the precautions where... But what I noticed, Neil, and I think a lot of people will agree with me, as it all unfolded, society just started giving up on it because... Let's be honest. Let's be honest for a second, right? Put yourself in a scenario for a second. If we shut down all the media and took away the phones and, and we just lived our lives for a week, no masks, would you really think that there's anything unusual going on in the world at the moment? It's just, that you, it's just that you wouldn't know about the hospital scenarios or the pressure on the ICU. Because it, it's not being pushed. Because it's not, the agenda is not being pushed. But, it's, so look, but, but, I, there, but is, there is some sort of a virus. I'm not one of the people to say that there's not. There is. Um, I think there is something, but it's, it's, it's along the lines of the flu. Like I mean, it's, it's no, 
I just, you know, I just think all the stuff that Joe O'Shea said is just like painting a minority of people with a brush. And he's coming from no professional background himself to be saying half the things he did. That man is full of hatred for certain people that just don't want to take that vaccine. That's what's wrong with him. You know, there's no, there's no, um, there's no educational... He's not, he's not saying, exactly. he's not saying he clarified on air that he wasn't talking about 370,000 people as being selfish. He wasn't talking about 370 as being misinformed um, or idiots. He's talking about a small, well, he's clarifying now that it was a small percentage amongst them who are Googling everything and sharing all sorts of fake news and have a uh, kind of, yeah, I mean... They're, that's, they're, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Who's he to say what's fake news, Neil? Like, I mean, do you know what now? The, the, the statement, strange things would happen. Have you not witnessed strange things in your life that you would have thought, Jesus, that could never happen? I mean, why are we so quick to brush these things to one side as if they couldn't happen? Like, do you know, I'm not talking conspiracy theories and all that. I'm not going down that rabbit hole. But I'm saying a lot of things that people are quick to dismiss. Stranger things have happened, have they not? Yeah, absolutely. Anything can potentially happen. I mean, just as a, by the way, I recall years ago doing uh, an April Fool's joke that they were going to start charging people for the water that came out of their taps. And everybody thought, oh, that's very funny. Oh, my God, that would never happen. That's just unbelievable. I don't know why you even thought we'd even fall for that. Uh, And and 10 or 15 years later, what happened? A huge, big push and a protest against charging you for water coming out of your taps. So anything can happen. Anything. Actually, actually, you know, with the, with regards to the QR codes and and the certs and tapping everywhere you go with your QR, I often wonder with regards to the QR history, with regards to data privacy, they know everywhere you've gone, every pub, every restaurant, every hotel, every flight, every country you've visited. Maybe they always knew, but they now know everything you have done right down to your supermarket shopping and the amount you've spent in it. Do you know all that kind of stuff? Absolutely, absolutely. They know where you're going on holidays. They probably know how much it's after costing you for the holiday, in all fairness. Like, um, I know they could probably track you when you leave. No, I'm just wondering, from a data privacy point of view, what's going to happen with all that information? They're the touchy ones, you see, because I know GDPR, like, there's loopholes with everything, you know, that kind of way. Like, it's a very hard thing to put your finger on, all this GDPR and data protection. And all this kind of crap. Like, so you have, like, no worry, you have no worries at all traveling around the country like that? I don't mean to be alarmist. And the potential that, because you, you're not sick, you haven't been sick. If you were sick, you wouldn't do it, would you? Well, I'll be honest with you, the, the way I treat it now at this stage is, if I pull up and I need to make contact with, a, with someone in person, if they're wearing a mask, I'll wear my mask. If they're not, I probably won't bother. But if that's the case, then it's mutual consent between the two parties. Okay, but as somebody who won't take the vaccine because you have bad asthma, I understand that. You don't want, you don't want to do that and get a clot. Um, if you got COVID, would you stay at home? Uh, oh, yeah, 100%. Okay. I wouldn't. No. I, I, look, Neil, I'm not okay. coming from a selfish point of view whatsoever. By I, like, you know, the game is there to be played. I play a ball when I can. But I just, for something I'm so strongly opinionated against, I just... I can't, but like I'm not, as I said, we're very, it's very quick for us to be painted with the brush that, oh, we're tired of hearing and we're tired of listening to it. I'm tired of listening to someone like you writing columns and coming on the air, like, giving out about people like me, you know what I mean? I'm tired as well. Yeah. What gives you the moral high ground against me because you've got a vaccination? All right. So what, like, you know? I'll let um, you get on. Okay. Yeah, well, look, uh, fair play to anyone, Neil. You're challenging things Cheers, uh, Luke. Take very care. well, by and I appreciate safely. it. Like, Thanks a lot. Story. All right, Bye. thank you. Have a good day. Email, 22-year-old, unvaccinated. Uh, I really had hoped that the 22nd would allow me to finally have a meal inside a restaurant and get back to living life 
that won't happen. It's extremely tiring and frustrating to hear everything that's been said about the unvaccinated being the cause of the delay and the return to normal. I believe, as you do, that everyone has a right to their bodily integrity. I've made the decision on the, on the basis of my body, my choice. I fear fertility issues in the future. My immune system is strong, and if I do get COVID, I should have no problems in fighting it off. However, the discrimination the unvaccinated are faced with is becoming unbearable. An Irish journalist recently stated that if they won't protect themselves, the rest of must do it by disassociation. Uh, I have protected myself. I've gone through the last year and a half continuously protecting myself against the virus in which I have not got. I protect myself by adhering to all the guidelines except for the vaccine. I've missed out on both friends and family events due to restrictions. I feel like an outcast. I've been in situations wherein I've had to lie and say I'm vaccinated to prevent an argument from happening. It's awful. I'm sick and tired of it. I feel totally and utterly discriminated against. I went to Belfast a few months ago to enjoy two days wherein I didn't feel discriminated against. It was the best few days and I had in a long time. When people think of the unvaccinated, they tend to assume we are uneducated. I'm currently undertaking my second level eight degree at 22 years of age, and I can tell you I am most definitely educated. I've been avoiding attending UCC in person, due to the fact that one third in the class can sit together in a lecture hall, but I can't sit with them in the canteen or restaurant. That alone is absolutely ridiculous. None of it makes sense. I'm sick and tired of it. We copy England with everything. Why can't we mirror them with a reduction in restrictions like they have? Thanks for listening to my frustration. Frustration, it's exhausting, says Emma by email to Neil at uh, redfm.ie. Two calls uh, and then we'll plough ahead. uh, Robert standing by. Noreen, good morning. Hi, good morning. Good. What can't you What can't you understand? Uh, well, actually, I just want to jump in there um, about your body and the whole issue that was brought up there. You know, there's 19 percent of women in ICU are pregnant in Britain, um, and that's because they're meeting people that are, are unvaccinated. I, I do uh, the 19 percent of pregnant women in ICU in Britain are vaccinated or vaccinated? Are unvaccinated. Unvaccinated. Are unvaccinated. So it is. It does affect, you know, not just a woman, but it affects the baby she's carrying as well. Just to put that point across. But my why I did come okay. on was that um, I was just saying that I was out for the weekend. Um, it was our kind. We're just starting to go out um, and to relax. And uh, the bar I went into, um, there was people getting their own drink at the bar. Um, there was very a few people wore a mask. Um, people in large groups all sitting around together, more people joining them. Was that rugby we or was that rugby or soccer? Uh, no, it wasn't, we went out to watch the rugby. Okay. Um, okay. There was nobody asked us for a COVID search. Um, going in all. the door? Nobody. They were just going in and out. Um, this is the second bar in the weekend that's after happening to us. And as I said, we're just venturing out again. Um, and we want to venture out. We want to support bars. We know they're after going through a hard time. But I don't even think this thing with nightclubs, I don't know if that's going to be a heritage at all because they're not doing it in bars now. As I said, two weekends in a row going out. N- not, and nobody asked us for a vaccination search. Nobody had masks on. People were going in and out. It was just as pr- uh, pre they weren't drink. Well, they weren't drinking at the bar counter, were they? Oh yes, they were. They were ordering their drink, and I've seen I've seen people standing at the bar counter. Okay, yeah. So you know, I hope the bars are kept open because I hated it myself when it was. They were shut, but they're going to shut. 
if again I were going to have serious conditions. So why just why did why did you stay? I didn't. I didn't. This is the point that we were we went out to enjoy night. We got a table for when we sat down, not you know, at got a drink, not really taking just relaxing and then all of a sudden took a good look around us and kind of went after we left. So it's 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 you know it's taken our choice away from us as well. You know, people are talking about the unvaccinated, but it took our choice away from us as well okay. because yeah. we weren't comfortable yeah. sitting in a bar that, you know, there was no rule. Did you say it to any of the staff there? No, you just decided this isn't for me. No, and left. we just decided to leave, to be honest. And as I said, this is the second bar in a weekend that we went to and this is what we found. And by the way, we know at least Six people this week have got COVID, including kids. In primary or secondary school, is it? In, yeah, I won't say because they might, yeah. 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 Okay, in school. I'm just saying, you know, that it's everywhere. You know, people think it's gone away, but it's everywhere. It's all around the COVID. And we have to be careful. That's, you know, that's the only reason I came on. I, I hope the bars stay open. I just want to get them to lock down again of making sure people have their COVID search. You know, sticking to the rules. Um, we all started getting out. We all started socialising again. Um, we can, all can keep social. Yeah, no, I've heard it's starting to get lax, all right, and that not everybody is bothering now with uh, QR mm-hmm. codes or scanning the bar or anything. Yeah, and yeah. Um, yeah. I, you know, if I've. To be honest with you, I've, I've witnessed it myself once or twice and I've kind of wondered, wow, that was weird. Why didn't that happen? You know? Yeah, so I'm just saying, it's out there again. We want to have a Christmas. We all want to go out. Um, I understand people don't want to be vaccinated. But but you'd prefer if they stayed out of the pub that you were in, is it? Well, stay outside yeah, if they have outside. to. Sit okay. outside if they have to. Okay, they don't want to but do that, you see. They, see. they feel segregated and discriminated against for their own choice, their own moral choice for whatever reason you see you don't well, have to take was, a vaccine you don't and, have to well you see that's just for a social setting but you're talking about other people people that can get seriously sick pregnant women you know older people that can get seriously sick people with underlying health conditions those choices are taken away from them you don't believe that they, you don't be, I'm not suggesting it but you don't believe that they're the people that should stay at home no well they can't they, like they're already after doing they're locked in. Mm. And people unvaccinated are just carrying, if they're carrying on as normal. Gotcha. Not saying they all are, because there's a lot of people who are unvaccinated are, you know, sticking to the rules as well. But those that are not, they are endangering other people that have done, you know, done their duty, have stayed in, you know, have taken to the guidelines strictly, you know. And now, is it going to lock down again? Are we going to go down that road? And force these people back inside again when they've just got a little bit of freedom. One thing I've learned about this is don't look too far into the distance because it's too precarious. You just can't call it anymore. Yesterday we were saying that this won't happen and that won't happen and some of it will happen now on Friday. So it's over. I, I cannot see, I, me personally, I can, the way it's going at the moment, I cannot see where we won't go into lockdown again. All right. Because there is no, like, there is, the hospitals, it's getting out of control in the hospitals. We all know people that their their sons, their daughters have fought, you, you know, have been on the front line. They're exhausted, you know, and this is starting all over again. Whether yeah. people want 
it is starting all over again. Yeah, yeah. Where we're escalating into so, the winter, we go. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Noreen. I'll let you get on. Appreciate it. It certainly, if if and when nightclubs open and they will open, and it'll be for COVID passes. If it's not enforced, um, and if nightclubs aren't really and truly 100% on top of their game, uh, then that would be, that would be criminal, I think. They really will have to be on top of their game with QR codes and certs if they're opening like that. I know that people who are in don't want to get vaccinated won't necessarily agree with you on that either. But Robert, good morning. Morning, Neil. Thanks, thanks, for, thanks for holding. Thank you for your patience. Go ahead. Yeah, Neil, just a couple of comments. You know, I think most importantly, it's uh, really important to point out that it's not the unvaccinated. It's not their job to protect the vaccinated. That's the vaccine's job. You understand? So, like, um, people... Well, well people would say to that that actually there is a responsibility. That we well, all have really, a responsibility. If you, think about it, if you think about it, because uh, I, I, people, the, the term anti-vaxxer gets thrown around a lot, but if you think about it, the people that are most worried about catching COVID are people that have been vaccinated. So if you think about it, they're actually the anti-vaxxers because they don't think their vaccinations have worked. But they don't think their vaccinations will work. They don't have any faith in their vaccinations. So that's my difficulty with the whole thing. And, you know, I, I was listening to Joe Shea on Claire Byrne the other night, and he seemed he was getting angry and this kind of thing. I don't think he was preaching hate or whatever. I think he's a little bit misguided about the situation because Killian de Gaston, who is an ethics ex- expert on virology, he put out a tweet the other day and he said, that whilst vaccination reduces the risk of the Delta infection, fully vaccinated individuals have viral loads similar to unvaccinated and can efficiently transmit infection in household setting, settings, uh, including to fully vaccinated contacts. Oh, that's bizarre. That's, so, I mean, I, I remember that comment, uh, but, and it's bizarre in a sense because this morning, um, British scientists at the University of Oxford who examined the records of 150,000 people said that people who are vaccinated against COVID-19 are less likely to spread the virus, even if they become infected. So which study do you want to believe? Exactly, exactly. So we're, we're bifurcating our society, we're segregating our society on this science that is far from, far from settled. We've had these warp speed vaccines, and that's what they were, Neil. There's no other way to describe them. The last warp speed vaccine we had was the swine flu vaccine. They got that out the gate uh, after about a year. It was recalled shortly afterwards because the long-term safety data started to come in. And the HSE, there's a paper from the HSE website, you'll go and find it. And it'll say that people that got administered the swine flu vaccine had something like a, a 16-fold increase in uh, the likelihood of narcolepsy. Right. So we don't have any long-term study data on these vaccines. Um, all the Scandinavian countries have now pulled Moderna. Um, you know, AstraZeneca and Johnson Johnson, I think the HSE has already yanked Johnson Johnson. Correct. So they kind of, they introduce these vaccines and say, everything's great, the, you know, the, the safety... Uh, indicators are, are fine. Everybody can go and take these, and then they quietly, you know, they they pull them. You know, so, so Joe Shea should be equally any, as angry with the vaccinated because, um, uh, as he is with the unvaccinated. Why? Because vaccinated people are still getting COVID. Is it? Vaccinated people are still getting COVID. If you look at the latest HSBC report, which is the the latest uh, stats that they just released, they actually say uh, they have statistics up from April to October. And let me just uh, let me just get this up here. No, because you. you see, that's not altogether true. Because yes, vaccinated people are getting COVID, and vaccinated people are to a percentage of them ending up in ICU. But there's five million of them. Unvaccinated people are getting sick. Twice as many of them are going into ICU, and there's three hundred thousand of them. Well, well, if you see the, what the HSE are doing here, they're they're 
updating their report and then they yanked the previous one. So if you look at the report that they pushed out in September and then compare that to the report that they just released for October, their own numbers show that 79.7% of people in in ICU were fully vaccinated. So, like... What? Should I have a da- what are you talking about? I have a daily figure. Should the figures daily? No, well, this is this is a this is a monthly report. So you can go onto the uh, HSBC website and you can get those get the latest report. It's up to the 9th of October, and so you just compare that then to the previous report that they had published in September, and you will find. I'm talking about that, now. I'm talking about today. I'm talking yeah. about the figures from yesterday. Yeah. Well, I mean, you want to get a better view, you would you would go by a monthly view because we have a population now that, as you said, is mostly vaccinated. But unfortunately, um, most of the most of the population that are vaccinated now appear, appear to be ending up on ICU no, according no. to the HSBC figures. No, okay. Well, look, that's not true, but you you can say it if you want. But well, it's, I, I can send you the link, Neil. I mean, it's up to your researchers. Like, we need serious investig- investigative journalism in this country because we're just getting. Uh, these briefings from journalists uh, on the nightly news, and they just report. They're like, you know, they're just, this is they're a stat. This is, well, I was given a stat. I was given a status update. Um, da, 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 um, oh, hang on a second. This is, I can give you an update. Actually, admitted to ICU between June and and October. Do you want that? Yeah, exactly. You see, but June and October. Uh, no, but that backs up what you're saying. You say June to October. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, 57.8% of those in ICU are not, are not vaccinated. So that kind of holds your argument below the water. Well, Neil... June 27th, really October 2nd. You, you really want to take a snapshot of the latest uh, figures because that will, as, as we know... Which do you want me to give you? Well, the majority of the population are vaccinated now, okay? So that, that, that's a given. So there's no point in going back further in time unless the population were vaccinated. But you asked me to look at longer figures, and I did, June to October. I'm talking talking about two reports, so the the reports from September to October. And if you look at the numbers between those two reports, you will see that what the... the, Headlines are telling you on the on the news are totally incorrect. I, I mean, I, I wish I was wrong. But oh, if we got a narrow, if you can get me a narrower report, September October, you're telling me I'll see different numbers yeah. for vaccinated, well vaccinated versus unvaccinated. Would you send me that? Yeah, I'll send you the, I'll send you the details, 100%. Yeah. Neil at redfm.ie, I'm waiting for it. Thank yeah. you for that. Cheers. Back after the break, one 850 The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at NeilRedFM. I hate engaging and I predicted or I told you so because that's patronizing. But I remember when we were going through all of COVID-19 and all that uh, st- time we were talking about that. I remember thinking the next now will be the vaccine and those that will and those that won't. Buddy of mine says you need to stop talking about the vaccine. It's nearly worse than when you were talking about COVID. Um, I, I appreciate that sentiment. I really and truly do. 20 months on. But there is some more optimism planned for Friday. And there is, um, imagine there's going to be some kind of a, an announcement or a press conference over lunchtime. I think uh, Red FM News is saying that uh, it could be at, at midday. Um, they're meeting right now. And of course, we know already about uh, lifting restrictions with regards to weddings. And also um, lifting restrictions when it comes to nightclubs. The nightclubs will be opening with conditions around COVID passes and social restricting. Good luck with that. Um, Other than that, though, I don't think there's going to be any change with regards to indoor hospitality. I'd imagine that will stay as you are. When I say as you are, uh, QR codes and COVID certs will continue to be needed. We had hoped that they'd be gone on Friday. Uh, QR codes would go and COVID certs would go and everything. That 
I don't think it's going to happen now. I think that they will remain in place. Mind you, um, some people are suggesting that hospitality has become somewhat lax. Uh, Valerie's got an opinion on this because she's just back from Canada. Ho- Valerie, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? You were on your holidays. East Coast, West Coast, where were you? I went over to Toronto to my son. Um, oh, in my old hometown. Where were you staying? Yeah. Um, it was downtown Toronto. I stayed with him. He's in um, a place called St. Lawrence there, right in the centre of downtown Toronto. I know it. Beautiful city, isn't it? Do you enjoy it? Uh, absolutely beautiful. It was wonderful. I was so long since I'd seen him. It was absolutely fantastic to get a chance to go over there. And I really enjoyed it because, Neil, I felt so much safer in Toronto than I felt it feel here in Go away. Firstly, it was great to see him because it had been a long, long time. Um, is he yeah, there on his own? Has he family yeah. there or what? He, but he's on his own and then working from home and everything. It was it was an awful worry through lockdown. You know, you were saying to yourself, he couldn't get home. I couldn't get home. Uh, it must have been lovely. It must have been oh, great it was beautiful. Yeah. It was lovely. Yeah. Usually I'd go kind of once or twice a year and he'd come home every year. So it was absolutely fantastic to get over there. And from the time I got on the plane, I had to be doubly vaccinated, which I was. I had to have a negative COVID test. I went to Crowd and Lives there in the Grand Parade. They were absolutely brilliant. I had the results back in a few hours. So I had my negative test. So even on the plane, I felt safe, me because everybody around me was doubly vaccinated and tested. Okay. And uh, mask all the way to Canada on the plane, yeah? Mask all the way. And in fairness, the air hostesses, anytime they came along and saw anybody with a mask under the nose, it was, could you put your mask on properly, please? And everybody obliged. And you just felt like you could take your mask off to eat. But like they rushed you, like they brought the food first and you had to keep the mask on until your drink came. And then you could take it off to eat. But within five minutes or ten minutes, they were coming back to collect the rubbish. So the masks had to be back on them and they were around collecting. So I think... They you kind of, I kind of asked the question, why bother? Like, um, you know, because anyway, I suppose the masks are off like for a period of time. The damage could be done. Was that Air Canada? That was Air Canada. Okay. Was Aer, Lingus. Aer Lingus weren't flying directly. I'd always go Aer Lingus, but they weren't flying directly to um, Canada. Yes, yeah, great value to actually. I'm, I'm looking. I'm looking to go uh, to Toronto in June, and I see a return with Air Canada for 461 euro. Well, I, I paid about 490 euro, which was 490 okay. euro, very okay. well spent. Okay. And um, Air Canada, brilliant flight. Tell me about your experience when you were there. You said that you felt a lot safer there than here. Why? I feel, Neil, that they're very courteous towards each other. I think everybody wears the mask and everybody wears the mask correctly. Whether you were on public transport, whether you were in shops. My son now lives in an apartment block and from the time you got out of the door of the apartment, your mask had to be on you. Your mask was on you going into the elevator. Your mask was on you till you went out the door of the apartment. And what I found was there were supposed to be three in the elevators at a time, not any more than three. But typical of the Canadians, like the, the elevator would stop and I might be in there on my own and might have be gone out for a walk. And like they'd ask, are you okay? Are you comfortable with me coming in? And you'd say, yes, of course. They'd have their masks on. You'd have your mask on. I know. Oh, they're my. like that. Canadians oh. are like that. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but it's brilliant. I found like the area he's in is downtown, right in the middle of downtown, as you know. And there's a lot of down and out and people that are homeless. But what fascinated me, even the homeless in the street had clean masks on them. Disposable masks that looked clean, do you know? And were wearing them. Then they were wearing them. Well, I suppose in fairness, to be homeless does not mean that you don't take care of your health or indeed have a responsibility to others, in fairness. Of course, of course. And obviously they were getting provided with these clean masks because they didn't look, you know what I mean? They looked clean. 
clean. They looked fresh. And, and it wasn't a case that they were told, if you don't wear the mask, you're a homeless person, wear the mask or we'll arrest you, like? No, and see, they don't have to wear them in the streets. But that was another thing I found. There was a lot of common sense there, Neil. If you were in an area, which we often were, we walked down by the waterfront there, and as you know, it's beautiful there, yeah. you wouldn't wear your mask. If you were up around the Eaton Centre, the shopping centres, where there was very, very, there was a lot of people, a lot of traffic, you'd actually automatically, these people wore the mask. It was like as if nobody was telling them they had to do it. But they were just common sense. They were looking out for each other. They were wearing their masks and trains, mm. undergrounds, everybody had the mask. And is that common sense or is it fear? I don't think it's fear. I, I think, first of all, I think it's courtesy and I think it's caring for each other. I think, like, if, if you think on all the arguments this morning about vaccinated and not vaccinated, I'm vaccinated. I believe in vaccination. My son that's in Toronto actually worked in UCC and he worked in Toronto University on the mRNA technique which was used for Did the vaccine he? right but he worked with it for cancer research so he kept telling me from the start this is something that has been worked on for years man by the most brilliant minds in the world they didn't just pick something out of thin air right. this is something that has been worked on and he kept saying to me when the vaccinations were coming up and there was questions i'm allergic to penicillin i'm allergic to ibuprofen. I'm allergic to so many different things that I, I, I was frightened and I suffer with asthma. I was frightened as to whether or not I should get the vaccine. But what he had said to me is not only people I've worked with that have worked with the mRNA, they've taken the vaccine themselves. But more importantly, he said, when the chance came to give it to their children, they've also given it to their okay. children. Okay. Now he said, Mom, you know as a mother, there's no way you'd risk something if you thought there was any question about it being safe. So, like, I, I, I've I spoken to people floored by the vaccine, absolutely floored, up to and including blood clots. So I know, I know, know. and I, I've heard of that myself. Now, tell me I this: mean, you know, when you went about with regards to your ID, was it checked everywhere, in and out, QR codes, apps, and well, that? I, I tell you, know, and uh, it, it, it was checked everywhere. Right. Now, I was lucky that when I was over there, even though it was September, the weather was good, and we sat outside most of the time. We were in Toronto for you know, we dined outside. Then he took me to Vancouver for five days at the end of the trip. And Vancouver was a different kettle of fish that was colder. West Coast. So, yeah. The, yeah, the West Coast. So once we got to Vancouver, we had to eat indoors then. But they checked the passes everywhere. Not only did they check your pass, but they scanned it and they also checked your... Okay, your, great um, trip, super trip. Passport. So when you came back then, um, your first experience was the air coach. My first experience actually was Neil in Dublin Airport. I got into Dublin Airport two and a half hours before the air coach was due to bring me down, so I had to hang around Dublin Airport. And I sat after coming in early and watched the flights and people coming off the flights. There were Polish flights, there were English flights, there were Spanish flights. Now, I will say the Spanish got off the plane and most of them did have their masks on. But the English got off the plane with the masks on their chin. A lot of the Polish got off the plane with the masks on their chin. So even Dublin Airport, I'd go in and have something to eat because I had two and a half hours to kill. Mm. And it said on the outside of the area that I went to have food that you'd have to show your, your pass and your uh, identification. So I had my passport ready. I had my phone ready with my proof of vaccination. Nobody asked me for it. So I ate very quickly, put my mask back on and came out of the restaurant part because even though they had up advertising that they were looking for ID and for vaccination passes, they didn't. They didn't. At Dublin Airport. 
so the minute I got off the plane and I had said to Jamie, my son, before I left, I would have been very careful before going and I very rarely went into restaurants I'd eat outside and all this. I, w- I was kind of not meeting people because I was afraid of going in places and I said to him, do you know what, no, I'm going to go home with the attitude that I'll be careful. I continue to be careful but I'm going to start going out. But the minute I got home to, to Ireland, Neil, I think people like... First so you did all the right things over there and then you did the Air Dublin airport and then the air coach had people from all nationalities, no masks on the air coach. No and you masks. thought, what was I bother doing everything in Canada for? I come back here. Yeah. And then I was thinking as well when I came back here, I, all this idea that I'm going to go out and I'm going to meet people, I'm going to socialise more, I'm going to just keep myself as safe as I can. But like you can't keep yourself safe if people aren't. Like, they were talking about the rules going forward, but they have to enforce those rules. There was nobody on that coach that asked those people to put masks on. I did say to two English lads that was sitting next to me and had their masks on their chin, lads, the masks are mandatory here. Like, would you not put your masks on? Did they? And they said, no, one of them, one of them did, in fairness. The other fellow said to me, oh, part of my ears, and I'm sick of wearing masks, and we don't have to wear them over, and we've had enough with this COVID thing now. And I said to him, I have a mask on me for over 16 hours. From the time I left my son's apartment. But I suppose if your mask is on, does it matter if he's not wearing a mask? Well, they say that your mask protects other people, but they protect you. Okay. So, like, what they say, really, for the mask to work, okay, I not, if I picked up something on my way home, I wasn't going to spread it to anybody on the bus because I had, I actually had one of them KN, what is it, K95 or whatever, one of the better masks for travelling on me anyway. Okay. 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 But then I, okay. I also double mask because my son had said to me, if you feel you're not safe at any stage, put one mask over the other. So I actually put a cloth mask over the disposable mask, so I kind of kept myself as safe as I could. Like. Okay. 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 It sounds me, to be to me as if you're very, very, very aware of COVID uh, to, to the to the point of being afraid of it. Well, I would be nervous because, as I say, I would have underlining health yes, issues, and basis. I just feel okay. that's like okay. I did what I was supposed to do. But I think, I think vaccines aside, people are entitled if they decide not to get it done, not to get it done. But then when they're talking about not wearing masks, not sanitising their hands, like that last man was on about that they don't sanitise anymore. I keep a sen- uh, bottle of sanitizer in my pocket, and if uh-huh. they haven't got it in the shop. I use it myself, you know. Okay, I get one more call on the air. I'm glad you had a great trip and your son spoiled your rotten, Thanks which is a lovely much. thing. Thanks, Valerie. Take care. Thank uh, you, Jim, you. last word to you. Go ahead. Hi, Neil. How are things? Good, my man. Uh, just, just, just uh, I want to talk there about take deeper on about people that aren't vaccines and all that. But uh, I was actually vaccinated and I got an off reaction from it myself and I was advised not to get the second one. No, I wasn't told not to get it. I was advised because of the reaction I received from it. So going forward, like there, people are on about having their uh, passes and all this, like to go into places. Like being quite honest, I'm at home doing my own thing and all that. But um, like I like to go to the cinema, I like to do things. I'd wear a mask. I'm being protective of around it because I'm nervous of getting it. You were medically, you were medically advised not to get the second job. I have, yeah. So you've I been, you've been, yeah, yeah. and everything over it. So you're in the uh, same category now as if you never wanted the vaccine or never got the vaccine, and you find that unfair. I do, of course, yeah, yeah. because I'm like, what it is, like I'd be going for the flu jab. I'm not anti-vaccine. Yeah, I'll be. Um, what you call it? I would have got the second one, but the only thing is, there was some reaction that gave my body, and they don't know what it was. 
and I, they don't know what it was because when I was in um, A and E, they did ECGs and all that, and it looked like it was a healthy person. Blood pressure was sky high, so, and had all these yeah. uh, lacerations around my abdomen. So a lot of people then within the 370 could be individuals just like your good self who have been medically exactly. advised that's, that's not what to. I'm saying. They're, yeah. they're afraid, like you know what I mean, to get the second one, or else they've been advised not to get the second one okay. because they had such a bad reaction to it. Okay. So they'd be in that category, which I think is a bit unfair. Like if they're really looking after themselves. Okay, good man. Thanks for that. Like, you know? right. so, Cheers, Jim. Thank you. Right. Take care. Much no obliged. Problem. Lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. You know what to do. The jazz is happening at the weekend. Jazz continues. So uh, in and around midday, they say they'll be talking about nightclubs being permitted to reopen using the digital COVID certificate over the new reopening plans. Um, There'll be uh, limits on the number of people who can attend weddings and other religious religious ceremonies will be all gone. All of that will be lifted. Um, COVID rules will continue with regards to the uh, QR codes and, um, you know, people indoors who are uh, doubly vaccinated. They're also going to roll out antigen testing and the booster vaccines to tackle the virus. I'm just wondering exactly what they're going to announce, but this is what they expected to be announced. Um, it's unclear when they'll be allowed to open, uh, the nightclubs that is, but the government said they want to make it happen as fast as possible. I'm just reading from the independent.ie. Um, antigen tests will be promoted on a voluntary basis for high-risk indoor activity, but there'll be a full return to full-capacity sports stadiums permitted from Friday because uh, they're saying that the sports stadiums will be outdoor activities but the restrictions on hospitality will remain as they are until at least February next year which will be restricted to the amount of people indoors masks moving around no drinking at the counter uh, you know table limitations and things like that Um, uh, return to office they're not at all uh, keen on people going back to work Uh, there was supposed to be a major return next week and now they're going to encourage office workers to return to the workplace on a gradual basis. That's it. There's lots more besides. We'll see what they have to say, but that's pretty much what's expected. Our lines will stay open at one 106 Well done to Helen Leahy, Old Court and Ballancurric. Passes for the jazz. You're off to the Metropole Hotel. Have a good day. Uh, see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.